Forgetting Asheville is an actual play Chronicles of Darkness podcast set in the fictional New England town of Asheville. We're all friends, we're here to have fun, but our story can include graphic violence, drug use, sexual content, and other mature themes. Content warnings can be found in the show notes. We've talked at our table about safety, comfort, and consent, both as players and storytellers. We know what to expect, we're all excited to be here, and we want you to feel the same. So listener discretion is advised. Now let's forget our troubles. Last time on Forgetting Asheville. Lola entered into a contract with a goblin to retrieve Jesse from within the hedge. Jesse discovered a dark hint of his uncle's mysterious disappearance before returning to the group. Everyone escaped back into the material world successfully. The group made plans to move forward, but were sidetracked by Trooper Estrada's investigation. John and Aviva are taken into custody, while Lola, Dan, and Jesse scramble. Dan, you drive a stolen police cruiser with your brother and a horrible little finger abomination spirit. And the crubbler. <laughs> you mean and the crubbler? <laughs> Goddamn math spirit, isn't it? <laughs> finger counters here. <laughs> and, and Lola <laughs> to June's. The bowling alley... Is actually kind of, there seems to be a bunch of people in this little two-lane place right now. You quickly get the impression, because you guys know, that it's, uh, it's league night. The, the local union has a league where they all kind of just like play uh, against each other, you know, mostly for bragging points. At the end of the year, there's like a little, there's oh, like a little pot. She's going to be extra furious. I told her to help out with this. <laughs> and through the front windows of the diner section, which is just attached, right, uh, you can see not only Aunt June, who looks, yeah, to Jesse's point, a little frazzled right now. Even Grandma Edie is currently working. She is an old lady, is not usually, you know, helping out behind the counter, but apparently is pressed for League Night right now. And you just see, you know, a bunch of the union folk just rolling lanes and drinking beers and like having a good time. You see like a, it's just like a classic Red Sox game is up on the TV. Bowling. Bowling's on the TV. <laughs> bowling on top of bowling. Yeah. You know what? Yes. But there's definitely a place like at the counter to, to go in and sit because, uh, you know, everybody's over by the lanes. And you roll up with the cruiser into the parking lot. Yeah. I pull around to the side a little bit more so that we're not like super conspicuous. Makes sense. Yeah. And then we'll, I'll let Jesse out and uh, we'll go into the diner. So before that happens, uh, as they're rolling up and Lola can see Aunt June through the window, just all the color leaves her face. And she looks not like she's seen a ghost, but decidedly not comfortable with the sight of this woman. She's not particularly good at hiding her body language as she kind of curls up and stares and starts like pulling her hood over her face. As you start to curl up and kind of like mess with the hoodie, you feel a lump in the front pocket. She kind of, that distracts her for a second from the terrible unease. And so she kind of just slides a hand in. And and you pull out a cell phone. When? Cell phone that you do not remember being there a second ago. When did this get there? Now is when I would like to roll that clarity attack. Mm-hmm. There's probably the text still at the front of it. I don't remember exactly what I said. Written in the text, even with the clarity attack, you get this. Written in the, the text is 
very clearly what seems to be a message that just says went after John or something along those lines. Yeah, that was about right. All right. So what am I rolling? Here? You're not rolling anything. Oh, okay. I'm just going to tell you how much clarity damage you take. Okay. One. Really not too bad. So just mark off one more clarity. Oh, that's easy. You can take these all day. <laughs> I can take these two more days. <laughs> <laughs> As you have to fight being confronted with Hank's wife. Being confronted with this thing that you did not remember being in there, not understanding, and it takes you a second. Okay, okay, that message is probably from Aviva. Aviva probably put it in there. But it causes that dissonance of what is reality and what is not for just a second as your clarity comes under attack. Lola, as she looks at the phone, she just kind of drops it for a second and she starts breathing a little heavier and she she is visibly shaking a little bit and she's in the front, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. She opens the door and just kind of slides out onto the ground, like spreading her body over the ground, just like desperate to feel something real. Like even if it's a joke, it's solid. And maybe we can work from that. And from the feeling of the gravel and the dirt under her fingernails and the dirt on her face and like the the abrasions she's probably rubbing onto her cheek as she nuzzles the ground she starts to rebuild where she is who she's with verifying that these things are real jesse definitely kind of goes around and sees you kind of swimming on the ground not doing well and, and changes demeanor whoa, 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 whoa lola lola hey this uh, this is definitely not the place to be taking a nap. This parking lot has seen much better days. But, but it's here, and it's and it, it's here. And yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he looks back at the lanes, which are hopping. Mm-hmm. That might be a little bit much for her right now. Uh, Dan, you want to bring her somewhere that's a little bit easier, and I'll you, try and you I'll, can't go anywhere by yourself. I lost you last time. You can't go away again. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, I I, never got lost. I lost you in the hedge. You disappeared. I couldn't um, find you, and I couldn't help you. I'm, I'm here now. Uh, a little goblin sent me the right way. Yeah, and you, and now we owe him. Okay. Um, Dan's going to take you for a ride. I got to talk to my Aunt June and make sure she's not livid with us and probably give her some help in the fry later because it looks like they're getting absolutely creamed in there. But you'll, you'll be with people? Yeah, absolutely. And we can find you again? Of course. Like, you can hang out in the car for a minute. I gotta pick up food. That's part of the deal. I can't be alone. I can't. Nope. Huntsman. Can't be alone. Yeah, no. You you hang out with Dan. No, Dan? I can't. I can't go see June. She, she's gonna be so mad at me. All right. I will get some food from in, inside. You guys stay out here. Dan, you gotta do me a favor. Sure. I need you to bring the grubbler mm. by the church. It's not that far from here. Just bring him over by the church and drop him off at the locust and everything will be all right. He can't talk to me. Can he fit in my pocket? He kind of looks at you like, really? Yeah. Grubbler. You heard the lady. Grubbler? Fine. I'll do that. Lola can stay with me. You give me some food. I'll swing back around once I drop Grubbler off so I can go. You You, You stay here for like... Two mi- give me two minutes. Sure. I'll be out with some food. All right. You go drop him off there and then do whatever you need to do with, with the cop cart. Can I keep the hat? 
That looks like a yes to me. He starts heading over to the uh, to the lanes. I will say the hat is unrecoverable. Which will play pretty well right up until he sees Jesse next. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse. Yeah. You walk away from the car. The Grubbler looks uncomfortable that you are leaving him in Dan's care. But he gets to hang out in Lola's pocket. It's true. And Lola does put her hand in. And too many hands hold yours back. Because she is Autumn Court, she does have a respect for things that cause fear. Mm-hmm. And fear is actually a very grounding thing. Mm-hmm. Fear oh. based in the reality. Is, in a, is very grounding. Putting your hands in and it holding your hand back does give a, a, a feeling you're not unfamiliar with. Lola, of all people, is familiar with, you know, the boogeyman under the bed. The, the idea of, like, a child's fear of something being in the closet, something reaching out of the dark to touch you. She's familiar with that feeling. Holding hands with the grubbler like this even though you know what it is, you know where it is, that sense of dread that something might touch you, even though it is touching you, the overwhelming sense of something might touch you is a deeply unpleasant experience. Yeah, And when she's had enough, she definitely pulls her hand back out. Yeah. But... <laughs> it seems perfectly happy. Mm -hmm. Jesse. Yes. You leave the grubbler with them. You walk up to the front door. It's one of those like glass doors and it pulls out and the bell dings as you step in. It's got uh, the diner, the the fanciest part of the diner, your Uncle Hank bought it a long time ago, is one of those rotary pie fridges. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. With all the glass. There's only a couple of pies in there right now, partly because there's not a whole lot of call for it. Uh, even though your Aunt June makes them and they're pretty good. And then the ones that are there, like a, like a Boston cream pie, uh, have been mostly devoured by like hungry uh, bowlers. The smell of the fry later working, because, you know, there's not like a big stove here. There's yep. a little tiny-ass cooktop and a bunch of fryers is going. You see uh, it's just hot in here. You know, the AC is working, but it can't quite keep up with the press of humanity and the open fryers and all of that. And you see your Aunt June just like plating some wings as your grandma is, like, wiping down the counter, like, trying to keep up with, with the demand of bowling night. But as soon... So before that, he is going to quickly snake through the bowling area. Sure. And bus up a bunch of the plates. And a couple of the plates that have a little bit extra food on there. And whether or not they've finished with it or not, he'll just mm -hmm. kind of, like, stealthily kind of, like, just grab some of this up and go through... And then we'll enter in through, like, the back door in the kitchen to where, like, the sinks are, the, the, the dump sinks are. Mm-hmm. And drop most of the plates that are bussing. And the food, the, the half-eaten food that he grabbed is going to go straight over to, like, where a styrofoam container is that, for, like, a little takeout thing. Um, and he basically kind of appears in the back of the uh, kitchen. And while dumping the food into the styrofoam container taking the uh, hat uh, the cop hat off putting it on like the coat rack and taking you know swapping it out for like an apron is just like hey honey hey grandma your very nature is a fixture around this area in here and you know just you naturally are part of the scenery and your nature just as a person and your nature as Iraka 
easily done. Just snaking through. Nobody even said, like, there is a full plate of, like, like a couple of hot dogs and a hamburger um, and, like, a full plate of fries that look reasonably fresh. They, you know, you can tell the ketchup is barely touched. And no one notices as you just walk off with a bunch of plates. Your grandma looks over at you, gives, a, like, a little smile, like, like it's she's clearly relieved to see you, right. but doesn't overreact. Your aunt physically drops the plate that she was putting stuff onto and goes, Oh my god, where have you been? What's... I have a long story to tell you. Okay. Um, I've been through a lot of things. Great. I just need to go bring this out to Dan real quick because we got to give uh, uh, some chiminage to the state police. Um, the um... <laughs> That sentence does not face her yeah. at all. <laughs> um, can, we, can I just grab some napkins and some ketchup? Just put it right yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. She puts um, like a... I'm going to run this out to the uh, to the cruiser and I will be right back to help you out with the, with the, uh, the stuff tonight. Everything's good. Love you guys. Be right back. Okay, but there's... And, but you're already out the door. <laughs> the two of you in the car see, you know, after like a shockingly short amount of time, Jesse walked back out with a you know, short order cook apron on, missing that hat that you said was already lost. A couple of big plastic bags with like some styrofoam and napkins and plastic utensils and stuff. Cool. I think you got a couple of hot dogs in here, like a half burger, some like an order of Mott's sticks and some fries. I want the Mott's sticks. She like sits up from the ground at the mention of mozzarella sticks <laughs> it's, it's, existing. It's only like a half an order, but you know. I don't care. That's more than I've had. I guess that'll work. Um, okay, we'll be on our way. Tell her that I love her and I will be back. Oh, yeah, I'll take, I'll take care of it. Smooth it over. Don't tell her you saw me. Kind of gives you guys like a little like half salute. He waits for Lola to fully get into the car again. And uh, he, he kind of skips off back to like get back into the thick of uh, doing some work because they're in the weeds. As Jesse turns to skip back off, a car pulls up into the parking lot, right? Um, just pulls up kind of right next to you guys because it's one of the only right. spaces that's left at this point. Like, it doesn't really seem to register that it's a cop car. And a very, like, nervous, like, oh, my God, I'm late, I'm late looking guy comes out of the front. And then Gary Shit. stops <laughs> and looks into the, looks over and goes, oh, uh, hey, Dan, how you how you do? Oh, Dolores, honey, what are you doing? She has a mouth full of mozzarella sticks and is curled up on the ground like a gremlin. Are, Hon, are you you okay? I had a I had a white wine spritzer and Dan oh, took gosh, me hon. to to get some mozzarella sticks. Are you you didn't have to lie about it. It's okay. You uh, know, we talked about that. I was weak. It Honey, it's all right. I I'm more I'm I'm more hurt that you lied about where you were going to be tonight. If you wanted to have a white wine spritzer with your old friends, then that's okay. Remind me, where did I say I was going? The spritzer's kicking in. Oh, one whole spritzer? Yeah, that'll do it. It you, was a wild time. You said you were headed over to the library because uh, you were going to help plan for the Founders Day Festival. Right. You're meeting it. up with the mayor and everything. Like the, you're, you're on the committee, hon. I, I got my dates crossed. Oh, golly, I, I guess so. You're going to have to write a, a big old apology note. Uh, yes. Okay. Biggest, biggest of apologies. Hey, Dan, you're gonna. I, I'm. I'm already running late, and the, the, the boys are gonna kill me. I. If. You Don't okay? worry, Gary. I got it. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Lola right. makes a note that his name is Gary. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You can trust Lola with me, Gary. I. I trust you, Dan. Right. I. I just trust you implicitly. 
yeah. you should. He's, he's very trustable. He's a cop now. Yeah, Gary does not seem to be <laughs> noticing that this is all happening in front of a cop car. Uh, yeah, Je- Jesse says that kind of suspicious that he's just like willing to kind of like eat all of this because this is some bullshit that Jesse would pull, knowing that you know like his actual moon gifts would actually get him get him away with this. Yeah, but he's just kind of like eating this like. He is. Like Lola's eating mozzarella sticks. He, he absolutely <laughs> seems to be eating this. Willingly and without abandon. Yep, <laughs> basically. And he just extends a hand out to you, Lola, she, to help you up. She reaches out. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really greasy. Oh, it's okay, hon, it's okay. And he, he grabs your hand and he, and he pulls you up very lovingly. And he gives you, and he wraps his arm around you in a very familiar hug. She goes tense for a minute but hon it's okay i know i know you feel guilty you're so hard on yourself sometimes honey she's not used to unfettered acceptance like this is a very foreign concept to her and so she just kind of puts her cheek on his shoulder and lets herself be hugged and he hugs her and it's fun it's just a nice hug right up until he just leans down and plants like a very warm kiss on the top of her head all right. Well, love you, hon. Okay, and I'll I'll see you tonight. Yeah. Yes, I I'd love you too. And you sweetie. know, it's uh it's Saturday, so. Yes. <laughs> and he like Big makes night. little finger guns at Dan and Jesse, like ah boy, like trying to do that, like ah boys, you get it, kind of thing. Um, sure do. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, Gary, what about the twenty bucks you owe my brother? What? The twenty bucks you owe Dan. Now I know for a fact I don't owe you no money, Dan. Get out of here, Gary. Oh, no, Jesse. you guys, get out of here. <laughs> And he turns and he like adjusts his uh, he he adjusts his little like jacket. He's wearing like khakis and like a blazer. He's he's even got like a little tie on. Like it's but it's casual, right? So he the top button's unbuttoned and the tie is a little loose. It's tied on on a like a cotton polo shirt. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 absolutely. It's I mean he's wearing his union shirt under a blazer with a tie. Yeah. But like, like a, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, I do. I like know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he goes, okay. Uh, and then he leans down for like an actual kiss, and just leans in, the way that somebody who's done this a million times would. And he gives you a little kiss. Lola goes for it. Roll me a presence plus subterfuge. You may add your striking appearance, which I believe you have a two in mm-hmm. that. Now kiss. Three successes. Three successes. Now, I'm just going to put this out there for you, Erica, because Mm -hmm. before you voluntarily took that dramatic failure, Mm -hmm. what I'm going to be doing in this game is occasionally giving you opportunities, and you do not have to have them, you can save it for the future, you only have one at a time, to dramatically succeed on a three instead of a five. Now, you may dramatically succeed here, or you can just take a normal success. It's up to you. She'll get a dramatic success. Okay. With a dramatic success, Gary leans into the kiss. You've never done anything like this before. She did awkward stage kisses in middle school for, pl- for shows. For like a real first kiss with this weird guy, it's actually very pleasant. You feel natural at it. And then you sort of lean backwards 
a little sure of your place, fairest, and your ability to be yourself, you may heal one point of clarity damage. As your sense of self and your sense of place in the universe is not jarringly dissonant, Gary leans back and goes, Wow. <laughs> Steal his emotions. I gotta go buy some white wine spritzers. Hold on. Uh, well, it I'll is see Saturday. you later. I gotta get inside. Oh, it is Saturday. Oh, boy. I feel hot tonight. Maybe I'll get a 300. My best is a 270. And, and then he just, he's already talking to himself about bowling as he walks off. All three of you, as he walks off, can roll uh, Wits Composure for a perception check. Nada. Okay. Uh, related to smell at all? No. Visual. Actually, Garrett, yeah, you may do smell, but you'll get a little bit different information if you choose to do smell. Um, well, I think that just gives me nines again with my sense, but unfortunately, I have no successes. No successes. <laughs> All right. So Gary walks off in to join a bunch of the other union folk uh, for the bowling week, and the three of you are left a little stunned by that interaction. Uh, was that in Gary from room. high school? Uh, yes, it was. Also, church, Grubbler. I'm going to go work. Got it. And he goes zipping off into the, uh, into the lanes. Why Why was Gary from school kissing me? You're married or fianced? Fianced. They, they are fianced. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, fianced. Yeah, uh, you're, you're engaged to him. He's fiancing you. <laughs> fiancing you. Sure sounds like it. It is Saturday. <laughs> oh, um, shit. No, that seemed to go pretty well. Yeah, but it means he's probably going to talk to her. That's true. Maybe. I don't know. How's that work between the two of you? Badly. Do you guys have like? Are you guys gonna have like shared rights or something? Both gonna date Gary? No. No, this is kind of an all or nothing thing. Oh. I mean, it almost worked out for Gary then. Almost being a fancy word for didn't. No, almost just a word. Everything is just a word. Yeah, thank you. Let's get out of here. <laughs> where where are we going? The church? Yeah, we're gonna drop off that horrible monstrosity that you're carrying with you. I said no talking to you. You can still talk to me. I'm thank fine with you. that. Just do it quietly. Okay. Why why don't you like him? Because he's awful. Look, we just don't get along. We don't have, we have dissimilar personalities, and he's a horrible abomination that should be killed. So yeah, uh, well, welcome back, I guess. I'm really, really sorry about being mean to you in, in the hedge. I'd already forgotten. So yeah, um, anyways, is that where you were living? The hedge? Seems like a... No. No, the place like sucked. Um, I'm sorry. It, I just had to go through there to get out. Oh, so like the gate? It's kind of a whole separate thing that separates where I was from this world. And then there's another layer of it. But yeah, I had to go through the hedge and then there's a part of the hedge called the thorns that I had to go through. So you're like an escapee. Yeah. That's badass. <laughs> was kind of one of those had to do things. Was it like was it like one of those like 
older movies with that Steve McQueen guy? Did you like bust out on a motorcycle? No, that would have been really helpful, but I did have a, a mount oh. who would help me. Is it that horrible thing that we saw? Why is everything that looks horrible horrible to you? You just use the word horrible. Describe it. I feel like I'm Well, just because something validated. Lo- looks horrible doesn't mean it is horrible. It just means it's not aesthetically pleasing. But maybe that's not its job. It's my job to be aesthetically pleasing. Uh, it's a lot. It's horrible because it was horrible. That's all I got for you. Um, look, uh, it's been weird since you've been gone. I don't know if you got that. Um, but you seem pretty cool now. And we can tell you about our stuff. So that's that's pretty dope. Yeah, were you a wolf? I've been a wolf. For how long? Uh, high school. Uh, looks like after you left. Did everything change after I left? I mean, things change all the time. But this particular set of instances, yeah. I mean, it tends to come <laughs> about pure puberty and stuff. Being a wolf is a puberty change? Uh, the spirit side comes out. I, I think we're born into it. I, I explained it once. But, like, like, I was always, like, a wolf, but also not. I can do, like, a big in-between thing, too, but um, you can't be around for that. Why not? Uh, it's... It's very aggressive. Um, very destructive. We only bring it out when things really need to die. That sounds intense. I don't think I would want to be around for Yeah, that. it's intense. That's a good word for it. It's definitely intense. Um... Yeah, so if we, you're, we're going to have to do that. You, me or Jesse are going to have to get the rest of you guys away if that happens, like, around you guys. Just I, just at it. Just, you know, give me information. You know? I, I can't let you guys be alone. Well, if there's something else there, we will be alone again fairly quickly. But then you, you can't do that. Well, it'll be dead, so. Yeah, but then you'll be alone. And I can't protect you. And I have to protect you. Okay. Well, done a pretty good job protecting myself so far, and I get that you want to help. It's not a want, it's a need. It's, I will forget who I am if I can't keep you safe. Okay. I'll keep that in mind, but we're also all very gifted at things. It's not about you. It's not about my confidence in your ability to keep yourself safe. Yeah, it feels a little bit about me. Like, not me specifically, but it doesn't seem to be directly... It's, it's about all of the rest of us, but you. But I'm the one who will break if you get hurt because I did something or I didn't do something. Okay. Well, we'll do our best. But we and all get hurt from time to time. Hurt is a different thing than I'm talking about. What? Okay, the church is up around the corner. You're going to come with me because I don't want to touch that thing. Okay. And the two of you march off towards the church. At the police station. It's been some time. The two of you sitting in the same cell. And eventually, you hear the, the sounds of Estrada's boots on the steps coming back downstairs. And he gets to the doorway. And he looks. And the first thing he sees is Aviva's empty cell. And he swears under his breath... And starts to look, and as he turns to look behind himself, sees John's cell with John and Aviva sitting on the little cot in there. And he just gives 
the world's weariest sigh pinches the bridge of his nose. All right, that's on me. That's on me. Shouldn't have taken the cuffs off. How'd you get out? Um, I appreciate you staying. Yeah, uh, you know, I guess I meant it when I said I was here to talk. He goes over and he unlocks the cell door. Then if you're really here to talk, come on. And then he turns to just go back upstairs, kind of expecting that you guys are going to follow him. Aviva starts walking and jerks her head to John. John, like, begrudgingly gets up. It was kind of good just sitting in the cell at that point. <laughs> and he starts to make his way up. Estrada walks over to his desk, sits down at the desk. Both of you make me investigation checks real quick. Investigation, wits investigation. Two successes. Four successes. Okay. He sits down behind the desk and gestures to, like, two chairs in front of the desk, in front of both of you, and goes, so officially I'd have to file a report with the barracks, but what I would kind of hope for here is that we can have more of an unofficial talk. And as he says that, the both of you see on his desk there are a few open files. The ones that stick out to both of you, one, there is an open file labeled Caradonna murder case. Is there a picture? There is. And there's very clearly a couple pictures mm -hmm. that you see. Because like the, the files in them are a little spread, right? Yeah. So you can see a little bit here. You see a person of interest section, which has a picture of John. It has a picture of you from before you died. Mm -hmm. And it also has a picture of your burned and mangled corpse which is charred beyond recognition. And then there's like a lot of, uh, there's obviously a lot of evidence in this file. Mm -hmm. The other file that you guys see, sort of underneath that, and it's on the desk, clearly is one of those, like he was thinking about this before he headed out tonight to on a report of like maybe somebody broke in to just do patrols. You don't see much in that file. You don't see a label because of it's open. And he very quickly like starts to put everything away like, he's clearly a little frazzled, so wasn't didn't intend for you guys to see these. But the one thing that you see in this secondary report is a little hand-drawn picture. He's actually not bad at drawing. Of a stylized human skull with a cog on the forehead. And he, like, sweeps all the papers up, closes the files, throws them into a bottom drawer, locks the drawer. And goes, so what do you think? Can we have sort of an off-the-books conversation here? Because I have a few questions. And I don't think we need to make this official yet. I could. And he looks right at John when he says I could. But John's, when he looks, John's kind of just staring at where the picture of Aviva's corpse was just sitting there. And his jawline is kind of all tensed up. I think that I probably needed to lay off the straightener. That picture? Didn't know how to use heat protecting yet. Hilarious. He doesn't really know how to respond to that. And he just sits looking at you for a minute. Before going, so that is you? Aviva kind of looks over at John. Kind of checking in on what she's doing. Based on the previous conversation, but she seems pretty set in it. John kind of gives a... 
supportive look, kind of, you know, you know the stakes. Mm. This is, this is your story, ultimately. She turns back to Estrada. Yeah, I don't really know, uh, you seem like you're aware that this town's a little wonky. He gives no expression. Yeah, so I don't know where to start with that, but I really didn't mean for this to be a conversation that was happening, but... I mean, fuck, you already had that on your... That file looks worn out. I was assigned to this town a little over five years ago. Sleepy little podunk piece of shit town where nothing ever happens more than a few drunks getting pulled off the street. Maybe somebody gets lost in the woods. And then a couple of weeks later, girl's charred corpse turns up outside of town, and it's a major fucking thing. So yeah, it's been a little stuck on my mind. Yep. Could see that. And ever since then, missing persons reports started going up. And I, and he looks over at John, try and push forward some ideas that maybe we should contact major crimes because we've got a fucking spree killer in the area. And I get shut down. My files go missing. And then, the dead girl that kicked it all off shows back up in town. With the last person to be seen with her. Alive. Who I had a pile of evidence against. Which availed me to fucking nothing. So yeah, I would like... Yeah, it's been on my mind. Alright. Well, you've been doing all of this investigating. What do you think is going on now? No, you two are giving me answers here. That's how this is. I'm playing nice. I'm avoiding pressing charges right now. Filing charges for assaulting an officer as like a very baseline here. Breaking and entering, a whole lot of other stuff. I just want to have a conversation, but that means you tell me. Do you work for my mom? The mayor has a lot of sway in this town. So is that a yes? It means, Mr. Taggart, that she has a lot of sway in this town. A lot of sway to get things dropped or looked into as they come up or don't. You now know enough to be aware that there's something weird going on. So who do you think she has strings on in this conversation, me or you? I don't know who got all my evidence against you thrown out. Do you think it was me? You were walking around untouched for the last five years. And all the so you're saying she has control over the future of your cases. Against No judgment from me, pal. She's pretty controlling. There's a reason, John, that I want to have this conversation off the record. Because you know that what you've thought isn't the case anymore. If you can say that, we'll talk. But you need to stop pretending that I'm some murderer and that you've known what's been going on all along. I don't know what's going on. I think that's pretty clear. And he looks directly at Aviva. Okay, so really what we could establish at this point moving forward is that no one here really wants this conversation to be shared with the mayor, yeah? Are we all good with that? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Great. Uh... I feel like that's actually where we need to start as a baseline because I am dead and that would be a huge issue. Okay, well, I got a lot of, uh, you know, primary evidence here. Look at me in the face that says you're not. 
So yeah. I'd love to start with an explanation of how I spent five years looking at your corpse and pictures of your corpse and your autopsy report, and you're right here talking to me right now. Listen, I get that, and I don't want you to think I'm fucking with you, and I understand that this is kind of a big deal, and you seem like a rational guy who doesn't exactly go for supernatural bullshit. I probably would have uh, thrown this entire concept away too, but... And as Aviva's saying this... Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, Aviva, what are you planning to do? Uh, Much in the same way as I entered the twilight to get into John's cell, I am planning to don the shroud once more to take on a ghostly appearance. That's a mixture between myself and my geist. Okay. You wish to uh, cover yourself in the shroud of your geist presence. Roll synergy plus shroud. Gotcha. One success. That's enough. So that being the case, John wasn't fully able to see the beginning of that transformation when she crossed over. So this time, her becoming a phantasm, uh, becoming misty, transparent entirely of death he sees it from the beginning and the way that she layers with the dread geist that's become a part of her and Estrada sees it too Estrada sees you become a physical ghost he sees the effects of the shroud John you have death sight which means you see it a little bit differently. You actually see the shape of the geist that's bound to her, the final girl, layer itself over and within Aviva like a cloak, as if draped in a shroud of its own being. And then both you and Estrada see the exact same thing, which is the ghostly, kind of horrifying uh, form of Aviva within Aviva within the shroud. And Estrada stands up immediately and like jerks back from the from the table in the way that you would expect a regular logical man to react to the appearance of a monstrous ghost. Yeah, I get it. I'm sorry. I know, but like I really didn't think you'd what believe What the fuck us. is this? What? Okay. Hold on. What yep. the fuck is this? And his gun is drawn. Understandable. John um, puts his hands up. Hey, gun down. You don't get to tell me gun down. I. Th- hey, hey, uh, officer, can you just look at me, take it in, right? He looks at you for a long time, and then, like, slowly sits back down. What the fuck happened to you? Ah, uh, that's a longer story, but, um... Give me the cliff notes. He's like trying to put on a front now. Like he's still very clearly upset by this. Like this is not something he's okay with. John looks pretty pissed that he keeps getting ready to draw the gun. (laughs) But he's not like he is trying to be okay while being very not okay. So mechanics clarification real quick. The way that the shroud condition is resolved, uh, it can be resolved by doing a sudden reveal does that mean that now that I have re- revealed myself that it fades or can I or does it maintain? How does that work? 
it will it will start to fade since you have been like ah mm-hmm. then it will start to fade gotcha uh, a lot of the shroud is about stepping into the twilight and mm-hmm. then like jump scaring out of the twilight yeah <laughs> and that resolves the condition yeah yeah because of how you used it in this circumstance the use of it was its own jump scare essentially yeah. Sounds great. Just wanted to make sure that I'm not, you know. Nope, uh, you got it. Cliff notes is that there's a lot of fucked up shit in this town that I don't really know where. We're trying to figure it out, right? We're trying to. I'll start at the beginning. Something killed me. It wasn't John. I kind of survived, but not really. Who killed you? Are they still out there? With that, Aviva gets a bit quieter after all this uh, bravado. He stops. Looks over at John. So what's your fucking part in all this? It looks like he's deciding what, if anything, he's going to tell this guy. There are things that people really just aren't meant to know. At least not yet. And not so casually. And if what you're looking for is whether or not it's still out there, it's still out there. His jaw tenses when you say that. And I have been trying to apply reason to what happened. To try to understand whatever logic was used, what understanding it took for that sort of event to make sense. And... I have not met with, I think I've met with about as much success as you have. And what I think is going on is that what happened to Aviva, he kind of looks at her and like, he like holds her hand, like apologizing for like, he doesn't even know. (laughs) I think in some way, the cult that you're hitting a brick wall against has something to do with it. And I have made every effort to stay away from them because I know that there's something terrible that they're up to. But in doing that, I also can't seem to find out exactly what it is. So yeah, I've been a little weird and isolated, but I think the town is a little weird, don't you think? He pauses and he looks at you. And he takes his key and he opens the bottom drawer again, pulls out the underneath file, slaps it on the desk and flips open to the picture he drew of the skull and the cog and goes, what do you know about this? Dan and Lola. And a grubber. (laughs) Drive just a few short blocks from June's to the church. The... What the town keeps insisting is a non-denominational worship hall, but which is a church. This feels familiar. Okay, so, uh, not allowed to talk to Dan. Uh, and like some kind of fingers poke out of your hoodie pocket and uh, sort of form a mouth and just goes, hey, why are we headed to the church? There's a locust there or something. Oh, the look. Yeah, so I, I was trying to talk to Jesse, but it's been so busy. Um, I will lift the ban on not talking to me. What's going on, Grubbler? 
so a lot feeding's been uh bad I'm, I'm doing fine i'm doing fine and i didn't come over on purpose he lies uh but get, get uh, big, big, what's up g something's something's wrong in, in, in he said a lot of stuff's been drying up but there's been more spirits but less to less more spirits with less essence more spirits less essence that sounds bad and um so it's been starting to go for a little while and uh well nobody wanted to tell you guys because uh, you know they're, they're starting to get desperate but uh there's there's a the whole they've been swarming around you know, it's not my fault. What's been swarming? Bishalu. Bless you. <laughs> um, what's the shot on Dan remembering what Bishalu? <laughs> Tell you what, Dan. Uh, roll me, roll me an occult intelligence. That I'll give you a roll on that one. Do you have a roll on that? No. <laughs> that is a chance die. Roll me a chance die. <laughs> a seven. Shit. Jesse said something about <laughs> You know they're they're a form of Shartha. You know that. You just man I don't know. Jesse knows this shit. You don't have to remember this shit. Those syllables have been said um, before. <laughs> I take out John's phone mm-hmm. and I send a message to John's phone that says Bishalu. Ask Jesse. <laughs> I want Tim to write down how he thinks Tim, how does, spelled. Tim, how does Dan spell Beshilu? Uh, B-I-C-H-E-L-U. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> While we're on phones, did you guys get Aviva's phone out yeah. from the cruiser? I think um, she still has it. I think I still have okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you go ahead and just write that down for me real quick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing it first time. love it okay (laughs) there's um there's still you know I'm doing fine because Jesse helps me out and you know but couldn't care less about you Gubbly nobody wants to tell you because everybody's looking to to get out someplace where feeds a little better so we need to thin whatever this thing is and gnawing away the gauntlet. They're making holes, and I just... Yeah, it's not my fault. Okay, one, I've already established it's not your fault. Good. I just want to be on the same page. Doesn't mean I don't like any. Like you. You don't like... Oh, you doesn't... Mean... I don't like you. Okay. No. okay. Solid? Good. We can get to the real point here. What's... Where's the gauntlet weak? Where, did, where can... What's making holes in the gauntlet? And the fingers, like, extend further, like a snake, out of her pocket and point right at the church so is this a bad place for you to go i mean at the pans it's kind of a place i'm supposed to go where you need to go grubbler i said i would take you somewhere i just need to get back across if i, I you know can't you go across in the holes that are being made mm-hmm. maybe so long as i don't get caught like i said a lot of people are getting you know death threat i don't want to get no magath yeah, the other spirits might do bad things, too. There are worse spirits? Yes. Yes. Lots of spirits that need culling. 
He stays super quiet at that. <laughs> yeah, that was some raw shit. Yeah, we basically need to go beat the shit out of their whole universe. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Just a day in the job. <laughs> but it's happening in the church? He stays quiet, but there's sort of a, a general nod of assent. And as you've sort of pulled up into the area, right? Yeah. From the basement of the church, from the church hall, you hear chittering and skittering and a garbled voice speaking to you, Erica, nonsense. Lola does not understand what is being said. To Dan, it is speaking in first tongue, the language of spirits, exalting the plague father that's definitely bad Dan and Lola you are sitting in a stolen cop car on the street near the church hall grubbler skittering around sort of on the floor of the car by Lola's feet and you heard that declaration that shout to the plague king from within the church hall itself in the first tongue. So Dan looks over the church. He looks over at Lola. You're not going to let me go in there by myself, are you? Nope. Okay. Um, great. So I got to go see what's going on in there. Why? Because they're not supposed to be here. What are they? Um, Some sort of spirit. Like the grubbler. Mm, less heinous than the grubbler. It snaps and points a finger up at you. Like making finger guns with its own body. <laughs> All right. I pop the trunk open on the car. Mm-hmm. And I get out and check in the trunk to see if there's anything. There is a road kit. There are flares. There's a, you know, a, a, one of those Mylar blankets. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a shotgun. This is a police car. <laughs> Does the road kit have like a, a, a tire iron or a wrench or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's large. definitely a tire iron. Great. I grab that okay. and I close the trunk okay. um, and I go around to her door and like signal for her to get out. I'm, I'm, seeing in my, I'm seeing in my head here like Dan opens the trunk and it's just this like you know, camera pan over like clearly a shotgun and right. a flare gun and Dan just like reaches past them and grabs a fucking thing. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's about to get better. Um, Hell yes. Lola opens the door just kind of like eyeballing him holding the the tire iron. He uh, He holds out the tire iron for you to take. I don't think I'd be any good with that. You never know. It's useful. <laughs> they, uh, just in case. Look. She will reach out and take the tire iron. And immediately it is very heavy in her hand. And, but she will hold on to it. It doesn't occur to you, maybe, until after you've grasped it. For a split second, you go, oh no, iron. As she's grabbing it, she has the realization, oh shit, I can't touch this. And it is... As you grasp it, it is not cold iron. She has this instinctive flinch as it comes toward her palm and kind of flinches back 
throwing her hands open. And then when she realized it got that close and nothing really terrible happened, she reaches out and cautiously takes it. He then, like, grabs you by the shoulders and, like, forces you to, like, look up at his face, but he's kind of quiet. And she's like, I don't really know what's going on with you and you. I'm not really clear on much of what's going on, to be fair. But this is kind of my job of sorts, so I need to go in there. And you're not going to let me go in there. So I wanted to say, like, I'm glad you escaped from whatever hellscape that you just took us through, because that place is the worst. Things might get really bad in there, so be prepared to run. I'm not going to leave you again. I will be running also. Do you promise? Uh, if it gets bad enough, yes. She will spend a glamour to put weight to that statement. Okay. It feels like your own words ring heavier. Like you mean them more. Something's going on. That was me. That was you what? That was, that was me making sure it was a real promise. Okay. Promises. What we, what I took you through wasn't what I escaped from. It was the path away. What I came from, things aren't real. Things are only real if you make them real. Did you use some sort of gift on me? No. I did use some of what I am. All right. I'm gonna let it go, but that feels kind of wrong. It feels kind of wrong for me to let you go into something that is going to be dangerous. That's my job. You have your own jobs, and it's part of the reason you're not letting me go in there. And I'm letting you come with me. So, maybe in the future, ask. Did you not mean it? That doesn't matter. You did, you did something to me without me giving you permission. That feels a little wrong. Okay. Probably would have agreed to it if you just told me what it was beforehand. Sorry, I'm... I'm not used to that. Yeah, I'm sure. That's why I said I'd let it go. I'm just letting you know that's just kind of, you know, it's a whole new world for you out here. So, but like I said, I'm glad you're out here. We're all learning new stuff. I'm going to hug you now. Is that good? Are you sure you want to after I... Yes. That's why I asked. Okay. Yes. Okay. He goes down and he embraces the tiny, <laughs> tiny she... girl at his <laughs> Lola is probably a foot and an inch or so shorter than Dan. So she maybe comes up to his armpit. He'll bend his knees some, you know, <laughs> make it a little less awkward. <laughs> so we're going to try to go in there quiet, like, and assess the situation. If I can, do you want me to help you? As long as you don't overly endanger yourself. Sure. I don't know how you, how or if you heal, but I do quite quickly. I can, but not quickly. Right. So, and I can get for everything. But if I start to, uh, you familiar with the term with Hulk out? Yes. Okay. If I start doing that, I'm not going to be in much control anymore. You should probably not be around. Like visible around or like present? Uh, I don't know if I can track you if you're invisible or not. Just be warned. I lose control. After a certain point. And if you get hurt, I might also lose control. Why? It's, it's how it works for me. So? When Jesse gets hurt, I sometimes lose control. 
So I get hurt if you get hurt, and you get hurt if I get hurt. I'm going to say yes. I think you should. I think that's. I think I summed it up. <laughs> right. Okay. It's a little complex for me. Anyways, we're going to go now. You ready? I think so. All right. You got this. Let's go. I think, I think you're the one who got this, Dan. I'm glad to see you. Come on, kid. It's going to be fun. I'm a year older than you. <laughs> I'm so glad you pointed it out. <laughs> <laughs> Instantly, too. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so you can hear this profane congregation in the church hall basement and the chittering and scratching and gnawing sounds that, Dan, the more time that you're spending here, the more you start to recognize, you know, Jesse generally has this kind of thing, like he knows a little bit more about it than you do. It it sticks in his head a little bit better. Even you at this point, having been here long enough, understand the noise that you're hearing. And it is the sound of dozens of creatures gnawing away at the gauntlet tearing down the border between the Hisil and the waking world. Jesse. Yes. Inside, as soon as you walk back in, Aunt June looks at you and just goes, okay, um, we, we need to talk, but you, you, you work the fryer? Because they're, on it. like, can you get some onion rings out of the walk-in or something? I, they're, she, like, seems very frazzled. There's just so much crap throwing back and forth. She looks appreciative. Like, there's a lot of business tonight. And then after you uh, put some rings in, uh, can you can you run just a, this? And she's, like, plating up a tray of beers and, like, little plastic cups. So can you run this out to uh, lane two and then just come back because I need you on the fryer? Yep, we got I already got the uh, onions and the fries going. Those be uh, those be up in five. And this is going to table... Uh... To, uh the the group at lane one honestly got it the, yeah um i'm glad you're okay and there's there's like a tone in her voice that you haven't really heard it's it's a relief about more than just like oh they came back from werewolf stuff he pauses and gives her a look that he does occasionally because he's he's very kind of flippant and just you know usually is just kind of cruising through whatever he's doing but he occasionally will stop and, and give give people a look where he is absolutely sincere. Um, and this is one of those moments where he stops and looks at her and just goes, I'm, I'm sorry, Aunt June. I don't... I looked after a couple of days and I found Dan's truck up at the cabin. And it didn't look like anyone had been there for a while. And some... Like if you want to know more, I'll tell you about it after Route of the Weeds, okay? Okay. And Just he it. goes walking off to lane one. Okay. You deliver the drinks over to lane one, you know, put some onion rings in the fryer, take care of stuff. The chatter uh, tonight, everybody seems... So you've you've worked these kind of nights a lot. Everybody seems really optimistic mm. in a way that is extremely rare for Asheville. Hmm. Like, usually you hear just a shit ton of complaints about like... Uh, you know, they canceled the order. Like, you know, the die-cast toolmakers of the Starkweather Tool Factory and the Toolmakers Union, you know, ever since the town changed, this was before you guys were born, 
uh, has been like, you know, they do some custom diecast orders and, and it's just like every year it seems like less and less. You cannot come to one of these events without hearing people just bitching about how the town is crumbling, how everything yeah. is going on. And at first, something just strikes you as wrong. You've got those, like, instincts that, like, something is just sort of itching at the back of your head. And the more that you're there working and, like, helping to take care of the rush before the tournament, you know, before the league is over for the night, the more you start to realize that you don't hear almost any bitching. That there's sort of a, like, hey, you know, up and... You, you hear the words upping production at one point, which is... Like, literally, you've been doing this your whole life. Unusual. You don't hear that kind of stuff. And the more that you're in there... Jesse's kind of a trickster, right? Like, Jesse, yeah. you know, has pocketed things before, and like he's done some stuff. And ever since you made that pact with the Grubbler, your fingers are a little lighter than they were previously. So one of the things that you specifically start to see is a lot, not all, but a lot of the members of the Union have these little pins on, like, their shirts or their jackets or their ties. Gary, in fact, has one, like, pinning his tie in place to his little cotton shirt. And the pin looks like a stylized human skull with a cog imprinted in its forehead. The more you start to notice them, the more... I mean, you, you are Araka. You, you literally make people not notice stuff all yeah. the time. The more it starts to become... The, the thought of, like, why haven't I noticed this before starts to starts to implant just a little bit. Something about the whole ordeal you can't quite nail down necessarily is off-putting. But otherwise, it's just a regular bowling league night. And eventually, you know, depending on how long you stay there, like, so you, you help out on June basically until the rush dies down? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. After a while, uh, you know, the rush kind of starts to die down. People do start complaining, but more about, like, oh, they sucked at bowling tonight, or, like, they're getting grumbly. Still not grumbly about, you know, the state of the town. A mm. um, little bit of chatter, excited for Founders Day. The union folks and some of just the regulars who come by for a beer here, you know, start to file out. Grandma Edie is mostly, like, done doing, you know, dishes and taking care of stuff. Uh, there's a few, you know, like, big bags of trash or whatever you need to take out to help out. And things start winding down. And as they do, Anjun looks over at you and just goes, So, um, is there something you... Uh, can you tell me what happened with you and Dan? Or, or, or is that business I'm not supposed to know about? Um, it's up to you whether you want to know it or not. I, I was worried about the two of you. For sure. I even uh, texted that John guy. who, who the, John? I, I, I texted him. Because um, I know... Dan uses his phone a lot for some reason? Yeah. Um, Didn't hear back, though. We went out to the uh, the cabin, actually, and we met up with the whole old crew we used to go up there with. Do you remember uh, Viva? Oh, sure. Yeah, her parents moved out of town a few years ago after that. She gets this, like, sad look on her face. He kind of looks. He looks around at the bowling alley and just kind of like sighs and just kind of looks at her. Well, she's a spirit now. What do you mean she's a spirit? What's I don't, she was a person? Yeah, Is she Ratha? No, I I think it's some kind of weird ghost thing. But I didn't realize that was actually part of the spirit realm. I haven't figured out how it works yet. Huh? You know Dolores Gardner? Yeah, of course. 
Yeah, well, she's actually some kind of weird uh, ridden thing. I don't really get what it is. She's and the actual Dolores is that, her name is Lola. We kind of got her out of the weird hedge area that uh, Hank used to sit, used to warn me about. What were you and doing over near? And John, um, he's not a. I don't know. Think he's wolf blooded, but he's not affected by lunacy. And his mother is able to do some weird workings and caught us in a time bubble. Mayor Castro caught you at what? She sits down at the bar and, like, reaches over and grabs a bottle of whiskey and just pours herself a glass. I, um, I feel like I'm more prone to... You want to make that a second one for me? (sighs) She grabs another glass, pours each of you two fingers of whiskey. And just sort of pushes the glass over. Then at the end of the bar, Grandma Edie goes, <clears throat> and June just looks over and goes, "No, Ma, it's late. Go home. You won't sleep if you have something to drink." And your grandmother gives you a, like a, "Can you believe this bitch?" look, <laughs> and then like sighs and like shuffles into the back. The unprofessionalism. <laughs> Did Uncle Hank have this kind of weird shit go on when he was younger? No. No, I mean, well, you know, you know that Hank, Hank and your pa, they, they, they both went through it, you know, same as you and Dan, and, and, you know, had to do the job of the Uratha. They had to patrol the spirits, and, you know, they had their misadventures in the Hisil, but I, I don't know Some, about... Something's happened to the town recently, Ajin. Like, this, it, it's, this feels like some kind of weird shit that all my friends suddenly turn up... And everybody's got some kind of connection to the other realms. And then, like, I mean, I'm glad that we were busy tonight, but this this doesn't seem right. You noticed that too, huh? They're all wearing, like, pins. Did you see those? No, what are you talking about? I didn't see any... Those little, um... It's like a little, like, uh... A little skull with a cog on it. I, th- I think I've seen those. Or th- I think they just had this, like, a mascot or something. I don't know. Why, you think there's something... Do you think it's like a mark? Are they ridden? Are they... I don't know. It's just... It's all awfully convenient this is all happening all at once, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that. I... Nothing ever seems to feel convenient. Jesse, I, I don't, I don't want to pile on, but... Um, Pastor Levi went missing for a little bit, but I heard he's... I heard he's still giving sermons once in a while down in the church... Wait. You, you pastor, pastor Levi in town was just some. Yeah, you know, he's just a fucking local reverend. He said you don't even know what that denomination the, the guy church, was. the locust. Yeah, yeah. He looks kind of nervous at that. And um, when you went missing, I, you know, I, you know that I, I'm I, I'm not a Roth, and not like you and Dan. I I don't know what we're doing. I I don't have the connection to the spirits that you do, but. You can feel something wrong in the air, can't you? Yeah. Aunt um, June, I know that there's a weird spot for people who are wolf-blooded, but Dan and I never really got brought up properly. I know. And I trust you a hell of a lot more than any other Uratha I've ever met. So 
I want you to know that you can speak plainly to me and you can tell me what's up and you're still my aunt. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any proof, but I, I'm worried spending that much time around around that place and, and, and without without you, I mean, you and Dan, you've been stretched thin for so long that things are starting to run out of control in the ACL. You know, I, 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 I worry about it. And, and I know you like that that little grubbler thing that you hang out with, but I I know Hank used to put a lot of stock into into his totem. Um I just when the water and holes start to dry up, I just I just I worry. You know, and with with you two having been gone for a week after having been stretched so thin, I just I don't feel right around that church. I'll check it out. I um you know, I, I don't have I don't have your know how, but I, I'll be. Dan and I need to go on Siskardasa. I hate to leave you back here again, but we'll do that. We'll go find Uncle Hank's totem. We'll talk to it a little bit. I'll give you. I'll, I'll make sure that you have some answers about that church. I'm worried that it's just the two of you, and I wish I could do more. Well, like I said, my uh, old friends just turned up and. Apparently, they're more connected to the spirit realms than I thought. I told you I went through once, right? No. It was a weekend, and it was out at Quarry, and you know, your uncle did something, and there was a problem, and... Well, it's not an experience I ever wanted to again, but... She looks really nervous, like... He brought you through into the into the spirit? Into the Hisseel? Through the Quarry, one time. He, he didn't quite explain it, but... Huh. I just, I want you to know that, and she looks terrified. Like, this is not a thing that she wants to be offering, but if you need me to come with you, and your aunt, it, you know, she's in her 40s or 50s, like, she, she's scared to hell, but she is legitimately worried about you too, and that vague whatever that is going on in town that, that has her worried. She has just enough sense of what's going on to know something is wrong without the breadth of knowledge or the awareness of an Aratha to be able to pinpoint it. No, no, no. I, we're not going to need your help on it, Jim. We'll, we'll make sure that you got the answers and you're feeling safe. Do you think you could um, maybe w whip up something for Dan? Because he's probably starving. <sighs> of course he is. Uh, yeah, of course he is. That boy eats like a horse. Maybe a few extra orders of fries. Some of my friends might be, might be hungry, too. Well, am I making fries or am I making Dan food? Well, make Dan food and then something a little bit extra. Of course, of course. And she finishes her two fingers of whiskey. She drank pretty fast. A little worrying. Uh, and she leans over and she, like, kind of tousles your hair and gives you, like, a sidearm hug and just... You know I love you, Jesse, right? He gives her a little, like, smile of just, like, an innocent kid. Who like you know can't do wrong. He's not certainly not stealing things and running around town. Just that kind of like you know, genuine smile he kind of gives her. And your aunt, to whom you have done nothing wrong in your life, goes around. Of all the people in the town, I have certainly done nothing wrong to my, my in aunt, her eyes. other than make her worry. <laughs> yes. Uh, and she goes out and she makes, you know, she with the last of the oil and stuff for the night. It's not gonna be the best. She makes a couple of burgers. She makes some. 
She makes a bunch of fries, uh, uses the last of those onion rings she brought out earlier, and then makes about a dozen fucking eggs. <laughs> uh, and I'm now picturing Dan as Gaston. <laughs> and you know some you know some toast and butter, and just puts together this big old thing. It's like okay, well here you go, hon. You know I'm. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're okay. Uh, he uh, he gra- he scoops it up, uh, gives her a kiss on the cheek. I love you too, Aunt June. Um, you good to lock up here? I got it. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go hunt down Dan and, and figure things out. Um, we'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Jesse heads out to go looking for where everybody else ended up. As you walk out, the last thing that you see, as your aunt turns to go put some stuff back into the walk-in, is your grandma sneaking over to that bottle of whiskey. Do you say anything? <laughs> I, gi- I give her eyes. She raises a finger to her lips. He raises a finger to his, and he winks at her and heads out. She winks back, <laughs> and then Jesse heads off. So how are you going in? What's the plan? I would like to try to quietly approach them to assess a, an angle to attack them from and possibly utilize the environment in such a way to help me because it sounds like there's a lot more of them than me. There are a lot. Um, without just lighting this place on fire because that seems like not subtle one. I've been told we should try to be subtle. For your sort of like scouting approach mm-hmm. and everything, roll me a wits plus stealth. Lola, you can do the same, or you can help him, uh, or you can hang back. Where, what are you doing? Okay, Dan, if you if you stick to the shadows close to the building, it's much easier to not be seen. Also, if you walk on the balls on the heels and slowly put your foot down, move very carefully. I'm going to try and give him a bonus to stealth. Sure. <laughs> what is your, Lola, what is your stealth rating? I have two. Uh, for this, Dan, take a two-die bonus. Four successes. Not bad. You manage, so there there are, like, some lower, like, basement windows, like the kind of smaller ones that uh, look down into the church hall, which is sort of, like, partially sunken as a basement. Right. And over there, you are... So the church hall itself looks mostly empty. Looking in through the window, it's dark in there, but there is what looks like the form of the pastor up on like a little stage, which is where the DJ was. Yeah, you, your prom was held here, and like the DJ was up on the little stage, and then it's just one big hall. There's some tables and chairs set up in the hall, and the pastor is just on the stage and it looks like in the real world talking to nobody but you are Uratha do you extend your senses? yeah yeah. I mean I clearly hear more than that yes peeking across the gauntlet you see a lot of Beshulu spirits little rat spirits gnawing away a hole in reality you also see, as your eyes start to adjust, mm. back in the waking world, a couple corpses sort of propped up 
in chairs around the room. And as you watch in both the Hisil and in the waking world, you see one of those corpses kind of jerk and stutter and stand up to your senses. You can see where one of those little rat spirits had gnawed a hole directly into the torso of this corpse and burrowed its way up to where this person's heart used to be. That seems familiar. It does. Lola, you know, creeping up behind Dan, you can see the the pastor standing on the stage. He looks wrong, kind of misshapen. He's in shadow. You can't really see him super well, but he's up there giving his little sermon in a language you don't understand. And you see the corpses and the one guy walking around. And as you watch, the others start to move around too. But you do not see inside the shadow the, the all the rat spirits and things that Dan sees. And Dan, you know, as far as you know, uh, as far as you can remember, this is, you know, some sort of weird rat spirit thing, even though they're not really acting the way that spirits usually do. Oh, spirits are weird. And the two of you are outside the window and as of yet are not aware. You do know, Dan, mm. that anything that is tearing a hole in the gauntlet is bad. Right. You also know that you could, in theory, punt the grubbler straight back through that hole. <laughs> Does sound tempting. I mean, that's why Jesse wanted you to come here in the first place. So... This priest guy's got to go. He seems like a bad deal. So we got to go. Is there like a, a way to get from the backstage? Because it feels like if I, you know, hit this leader guy, this would probably be, you know, probably do disorganize these rats. Maybe they'll flee. Maybe. Yeah. There's not really a way to get there. So basically the stage, like there are two little like sets of stairs on either side of this yeah. tiny stage. And then there is a little backstage section, but there's no, like, there's nothing back there um, that you can't access back there. There is a door from the church hall upstairs that goes down to a door on the other side of the hall. Um, basically, there's two ways. There's two doors down beyond the windows, right? Mm -hmm. There's the main door that you can access from the outside. And then there is a side door from the actual worship hall upstairs uh, that goes down and a little cement staircase, and then that actually leads out close-ish to the stage. That sounds like what we want to go with. All right, so you're going to have to go, like, sort of up and into the church itself. Yeah. And, uh, all right. Keeping it quiet, keeping it cool. Very cool. Now that you've assessed the situation, I'm going to need both of you to make me dex stealth to sneak into this church. Um, Lola will just spend a glamour and step into a shadow. Okay. So Lola... She will, before she does that, though. Dan, I'm going to disappear, but I'm still with you. All right. I'm going to spend a willpower on this. Okay. I will spend a willpower on his behalf. Dan, I can make this better for you if you want me to. But I won't do it without your permission if you don't want me to. Sure, juice me up. Okay. The juice is loose, and she will spend a willpower and disappear into the shadows. Lola, you follow behind unseen. 
thanks to your contract with Jules. And actually, she doesn't need to spend a glamour since she steps into a shadow, and that is the loophole. And she's gone. (laughs) Two successes. Sorry, there was three ones in that. (laughs) (laughs) But they don't take away in this system. They don't take away. (laughs) This will be contested. Uh... He's mid-servant, so he's taking a... Uh, and you guys are not in the same room as him, so he'll be taking a dice penalty, but... As far as you're aware, you are undetected as you sneak in. The church itself is actually unlocked. You don't have to break in. They they left the door open upstairs. The worship hall itself is empty. The lights are off. Uh, there is a single candle that is still lit that is always lit. That's just... Just how things are. Because your senses are open, Dan, you can see just around where that candle is a little tiny spirit of perpetual fire that just has drawn to that place. But otherwise, you manage to get across all the way down and into the stairs. You don't know where Lola is, but she said that she was going to be with you. And Lola, you follow along behind Unseen... At the top of the stairs before I go down them, I will be taking my Dalu form, which basically Dan starts, gets taller, starts layering on more muscle, surprisingly. Uh, His fingers start extending out into claws. Uh, My clothes start tearing, um, hopefully quietly, but Dan didn't put that much thought into it. Ears come to points. His eyes start getting a sheen, like a, a golden sheen. Fangs start to come out of his mouth. He's got a presence to him, a heaviness to it. Lola watches this transformation as she kind of instinctively follows from shadow to shadow. It's not so much fear as fascination, but there is a small element of fear that, oh my God, he can actually get bigger. Dan has this... (laughs) (laughs) In in that form, Lola, you watch all this, and it's true. Dan has this presence now, one that just speaks to violence, intimidation, and Dan. Shirt is done, but you are ready to go because of your successful stealth. You're gonna get a surprise action, but as soon as this door opens, they're gonna know you're here. How far away from the door is the priest? 15 feet. You're a big guy and you got some reach. Basically, I'm going to come out through the door. I've taken stock of it and I'm just going to go straight for taking down the, the leader. When Dan's clothing ripped, did any of it fall onto the ground? Some some parts of his shirt, yeah. All right. Lola will, not breaking her stealth by doing so, crouch down and pick up a piece of the shirt and wrap it around her hand. Okay. And proceed. Dan, the door flies open. The uh, pastor looks over, startled. And now that you're down here, you can see he is warped beyond recognition. He looks sick. His body covered in these, like, tumorous pustules. His face elongated and broken in the visage of, like, a stunted, hairless rat. His mouth twisted with long rat teeth. Something tickles the back of your mind. This must have been happening to him for a while. 
to have all these spirits and the priest in his little horrific looking rat body looks over at you and points in anger and fear and hisses in first tongue Uratha. there's something I want to know yeah how you opened the door I'm really just imagining that I just start I fly through the door just missling directly at this dude like there's no opening there's no kicking I am just bodily flying through this door Hell in the yes. general direction Hell Dan yeah. fails to acknowledge the barrier <laughs> and just presses on good good it gets its surprise shriek. You get an action. I get a surprise claw to the face. I'm going to spend the essence for um, two of my abilities. One for eight agains on my combat actions. And the other one... I'm two. sorry, what? Yeah, eight <laughs> agains. Road action for you? Yep. Well, no, he's got road actions. Mine is eight agains for... All of my successes. Okay. So for those of us who are not great with mechanics, eight against? Uh, means all of my dice that are successes blow up like a 10. <laughs> okay, bud. Um, and then I'm going to spend the other one to uh, increase my strength by my purity score, so plus two. Okay, Rahu. <laughs> you are the warriors of the Uratha. Time to show them why. His defense mm-hmm. is a seven. You've surprised him. Because he's been surprised, mm-hmm. he cannot take an action this round. Right. And he does not get to apply his defense this round. Oof. So you get your full pool. I'm, uh, I'm going to use my reckless engagement, so I have my full defense against him, but I will be going all out. Okay. For those at home, that is 15 dice. Gah! <laughs> I'm going to hold my box. I told Tim we're not playing Exalted, and he said, yes, we are. It's like win levels of dice. Mm. Oh, God. I just remembered the eights explode. <laughs> there was three successes on that die pool. Because, as always, my first die pool is terrible. Oh. <laughs> die roll. Do your claws do any additional damage running? Plus zero lethal. You lash out with your Dalu claws driving them into this thing as it hisses at you. And then you hit its hide. You do a point of lethal damage. But the priest has been so warped. The Beshalu has evolved so much, at least this one, that you only do a little. You're almost surprised. You should have hit way harder. Mm. Some of its blood splatters and it's like sort of this blackish green like just horrible toxic looking blood mm-hmm. um, and it hisses and shrieks at you and in first tongue is leave us be Uratha Alola you get an action too because they were all surprised but you were not no she was definitely surprised by some, some of the things she's seen <laughs> that's super fair <laughs> that is super fair Boy, nothing in this town that's dead is actually dead, is it? Um, what are the two zombie-looking I mean, motherfuckers doing? Lurching to their feet and looking at Dan. How far are they from Dan? They're about 30 feet from Dan. They're on the other side of the room. Okay. For now, I feel like I'm going to do more damage by coming out of hiding to Dan's efforts. Okay. Can I take my surprise later as long as I'm invisible? 
no is a totally acceptable answer. I will say that they will lose their defense against you, but you're not going to stop them from using their actions. Gotcha. For being in surprise, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But against you, uh, yeah, you come out of invisibility before they start actively looking for other assailants. Okay. If they know something else is around. But right now, they do not seem organized enough in this moment. However, Dan runs in a pack, so they're probably going to start looking pretty soon. As soon as they start looking, you will no longer have your surprise if you don't use it now. How close am I to one of the zombies? 30 feet. You guys are coming out of the same door. Okay. Uh, I will begin creeping towards one. Okay. What's your speed? Uh, Not good. Nine. Okay. So you, you will start moving across the room towards the zombies. Or so they appear. Mm-hmm. And now we're all going to roll initiative. Here is something that you guys will quickly start becoming uh, aware of. The Beshalu do not fight in ones and twos and threes. The Beshalu are a swarm. Every round, I'm going to be rolling a d10. That is how many Beshalu will be showing up. Oh, I hate that. Every round. <laughs> you do not know when the swarm will and if it will. Hold a one. Hooray. <laughs> well, let's go. Eleven. Okay. What's your total? Five. The priest will be going first. Dang it. Mm. Then Dan. Then the Beshalu, like the regular rank and files. And then Lola. Dan, you have lashed out with a claw. Mm-hmm. Now that you are close to this priest, he like stands up a little bit more and you see the bulk of his twisted flesh. Um, you are much taller than him. Um, and you're a... Bu- I mean, even outside of Dalu, you're a bulky guy. Right. It's not that he's bulky, necessarily. It's that he is so, like, swollen and, like, misshapen at this point that he is much bigger than you anticipated him being. Bad swole, bro. Yeah. He's not good swole. He's bad swole. God damn it. <laughs> From under his little, like, cassock mm-hmm. is a tail that, like, splits into these, like, like a, li- almost like a thrashing, like a thrashing flail. Yep. His hands extend from his sleeves, and they are just long talons dripping with ichor. Um, and he chitters his teeth at you and goes to swipe at you with his hands. I was really hoping that after all that description, he ran away. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, booking it. <laughs> no, they have great works to do. Yeah, yeah, no, just it would have amused me. And one of those works is fucking right off. <laughs> <laughs> what is your defense, Dan? Four. Man, these dudes got some pools. <laughs> With one success, uh, you will take three lethal damage as these like dagger-like talons dripping with ichor um, and some sort of like horrific disease toxin um, just jam themselves into you. The whole time he is shrieking insanely, just horrific like nonsense words, screaming for like things. And he's wondering, and you could see a glint in his eyes, like his little black beady rat eyes, like, Am I about to die here? Or am I getting lucky and am I catching an Urotha on its own? I mean, it could be both. Could be both. (laughs) 
Officer Estrada taps the folder on the desk in front of him that has that symbol of like a stylized human skull with a cog in its forehead. And once again, looks at John. I still occasionally flashing over to Aviva, like, one, he can't quite let that obsession go yet, but on the other hand, like, he, she just, she legitimately freaked him out. Mm. Uh, he goes, okay, what do you know about what's going on in town? A while back, the local union ended up creating the Order of the Toolmaker. And they have designs on the city, and it's not just, you know, like a facelift on properties or investments or anything like that. They are attempting to change the path that the community and the land itself takes. And I know that sounds crazy, but... I mean, we're dealing with, I'm dealing with an unusual mindset. And I have reason to believe that they are, they're performing rituals. And those rituals are becoming increasingly desperate. It's not the right word, but maybe daring, dangerous. I see a connection between the people that have been crashing and the deaths on the outskirts of town. And whatever it is that they're doing, I don't think that those people dying are accidents like what's being presented. I mean, he sort of like picks his teeth a little bit thoughtfully. When I first came to this town, you know, this place is sleepy as shit. Nothing happens out here. But I was reorganizing my office and I found, and he flips open the folder a little bit. The further back you go, like, it stops being new paper, and some of it's, like, a little yellowed. It's a little older. Uh, going back to, like, the 70s, there's some... It's not on the federal crime statistics, but there's a lot of disappearances around here going back a couple of decades, back to, like, the 60s and 70s. That makes a certain amount of sense. Some nasty murders back in the 80s. You know, some poor fucking girl just ripped up with a power drill one of the crime scene photos and he pulls it out and it's this like it's a really upsetting photo aviva blood and guts doesn't really bother you too much no she has a strange tolerance for it being what she is and besides uh almost a bit of morbid humor it's not it's not without sympathy it's it's not cold it's not abrasive but the way that she looks at the crime scene photo is not someone who can be upset by viscera, by just this sort of violence. John, this is a, a photo of a, a young girl. Honestly, kind of about you guys' age, like late teens, early to mid-twenties, a little tough to tell. And there's just, there's like chunks missing out of her. Looks like she got hit by a fucking car afterward. Like somebody dr- like drove a combine over her, almost. Something about the arrangement of the body. It doesn't look anything. It doesn't look like anything. It looks like a body. But to your sight, something about the arrangement of the body, it gives that impression of like that same like itching at the back of your head that looking at the symbol gives you. And Estrada like taps a finger on it and goes, "Ah, 
there's something about this that I just cannot put my fucking finger on, but I it feels like I put it in this mm. goddamn folder for a reason. And I hate doing that kind of shit. Every fucking cop who talks about their hunches and their guts a piece of shit who doesn't actually want to do due diligence, but like, You're God, right. my fucking gut. Is there a picture of who this might have been before this happened to them? Or is this a destroyed body? Not that he's showing you. Okay. But you can ask. You're going to have to set your opinion on the hunches aside for this. Because there are aspects of it that aren't easily understood. Connections that aren't obligated to explain themselves to you. You're not wrong about this. This cult used this person. Did something absolutely awful to them and drew attention. Am I right? An investigation was started on this. Yeah, and closed pretty quick. Hey, do you know who this was? Because I saw... She kind of like pauses as she realizes what she's trying to explain. And tries to present it uh, maybe a little too casually. Sometimes I can see people like me. So if I would have seen her face on my end of things... Uh, no, we didn't fully get an ID, um, but it was too mangled and nobody ever claimed it, uh, did find, and he sort of like flips through some stuff, did find this on one of the other victims, and he pulls out what looks like it's cut out into little, like the little heart shape, so it looks like maybe a photo that was stuck in a locket or something, and it is just, uh, a very pretty young girl, like blonde hair, done in that sort of like... She's got kind of like Farrah Fawcett-like. Is it feathered? It's a little feathered. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's her. We just never could quite place who it was. Does it look like any of the ghosts that I've encountered? I've seen the one in the car, the cop car, and I've seen the one by the crash. No, they were all dressed a little bit more recently, a little Mm -hmm. bit more like modern. Gotcha. You know, in the... Anywhere from, you know, like mid-2000s to today, kind of like that look. This is very clearly somebody from like the early 80s, late 70s. That's a series of nods as Aviva considers it, but she kind of shakes her head after. Behind you, the final girl looks extremely agitated, barely holding on. Sensing the aggravation. Aviva does that small motion that she's done before of almost looking to check in with herself, looks completely away from John and Estrada, tilting her head in question and shooting over, like, that look of checking in. Hey, what's up? Trying to extend some sense of comfort, but this palpable aggravation is not something that she's seen from her geist before. At least not like this. The final girl seems focused on that little heart-shaped locket picture. Like something about it is just setting her off in a way that she doesn't quite understand. Do the chunks missing from the body in the crime scene picture line up with the chunks that are missing when her shadows cast out? No, they don't. I mean, maybe similar kinds of wounds, Mm. but this does not... Those chunks do not seem to be the same chunks. You know from your remembrance, the the flashes that you get from her, that 
you remember, you know, from her, the, the hospital sign, like, you know, the hospital sign caught in headlights at night at the side of the road. This doesn't seem to be that, but there's something, there's something about this that is really like, like it's on the edge of something for her. Did you, did you know her? Aviva asks, looking away from the other two. Estrada looks up. What? No. It's like my mom's age. Estrada, how much are you willing to gamble on this? Before I saw this shit, and he nods his head towards Aviva, not very fucking much. But right now, I don't know what I'm going to think. Behind you, the final girl is like slowly reaching a hand out towards the photo. It is actually easier for ghosts to manifest around you. So if she really pushed Mm -hmm. and you didn't keep her in line, she might be able to manifest. Now, because of her nature as a dread geist, it might not be the best thing to happen. Officer, could I please possibly take a copy or take a picture of the locket picture? In yeah, you got a phone on you or something? Is just... that? Uh, and Aviva pats herself down. She has no phone because she gave it to Lola uh, secretly. She did. John, could you? John shakes his head. No phone on me. However, Estrada. Yeah. Is that like a part of uh, the picture? Part of an official ongoing investigation or is this something you've held on to? It's technically from a cold case file, technically, yeah. but one that got forgotten in the back of a drawer, you know, six trooper exchanges before me. I have an offer. Okay. If uh, he sighs, Aviva can have the picture and you're willing to share access to the evidence that you've been stockpiling, I have a means of accessing this cult and I am willing to help you gather the evidence you need to actually put a stop to these guys so here's the I would love to do that the picture is just sitting there he's Mm -hmm. like focused on John now he doesn't really seem to notice that there is a like increasingly agitated ghost in the room behind you she is like swelling almost (laughs) like she is like becoming larger and more imposing but you get this, you still get this sense of like, yes, there's that agitation, mm-hmm. the confusion. And the closer she starts to get to it, just a deeper and deeper like sorrow, mm-hmm. longing, some indefinable like bittersweet sadness. Aviva's probably talking during John's author when she looks to the corner and she says, Hey, hey, it's. It's, I know it's not okay, but, and she's trying to internally, Aviva doesn't even really know if this works, but she knows that the guys, this dread guys and herself don't necessarily always share language. So through her empathy, she's trying to put forwards compassion and calm. Actually, I think it's a fair time to ask if due to my bloom, which is anti-hero, in dealing with Estrada, did I apply an unconventional, ignoble, or blunt solution to a current problem? I don't know. Did you show him your ghost face? A little bit. Yeah, then I think you did. All right. One willpower will be recovered. Aviva. 
you are trying to intercede with your Geist to keep her calm? Yep. Roll me your synergy. Is that a pure synergy roll? Pure synergy, although you can spend willpower on it if you want to. I will be doing so. Honestly, part of Aviva is just kind of... It's one of those, like, no, stop, don't, at first. But as she sees the Geist swell up and loom over the two of them, that becomes a much more genuine worry for everyone involved. No successes. Okay. John. Estrada's sort of looking at you, sighing, and just, look, uh, you're gonna have to be a little fucking patient with me here, because up until, I'm gonna say, six minutes ago, I was pretty convinced that you were a fucking murderer. It's a little hard for me to believe, considering who your mom is, and all the little interventions on my attempts to anything in this town, that you're not wearing one of those pins right now. How long have you been watching me? Like five years. You thorough about that investigation? Pretty thorough. You spent a lot of time at the scene of the crime for somebody who didn't do it. How much time do I spend with my mom? Your uncle's a good guy. All right. She don't know you're here yet, but she's gonna. She always seems to fucking know. Whenever I get a little too invested in something, it's like she just shows up. It's like she's a fucking mind reader. I haven't put anything on the books. And I appreciate the two of you having a conversation with me. I don't appreciate your fucking friend stealing my goddamn car. But there's something wrong in this town. So what? What do we do? What do you know? Well, two things. Sorry, this is productive. But speaking of friends on the other side, uh, can you please come to a decision about the picture sooner rather than later? I'm going to do everything I can to help you. And I pick up the picture... And I press it into Aviva's hand. Aviva does not hide the fact that she's showing something over her shoulder, the picture, that she has it. Aviva, mm-hmm. you have the photo. You can feel the out-of-control urge right now. Mm-hmm. It is maybe a good idea if Estrada and probably John get the fuck out of here. Because... She's about to lose it. Yeah, I'm going to join you guys. I have more to say on this, but can I can leave. You can leave. Don't care which. Well, what are you talking about? All right, bye. And Aviva gets well, Hey, up. wait a minute. Hold on. There's more I got to say to you. I say to Estrada, like, just kind of interjecting while he goes to stop her. I'll be somewhere. And she's not. Unless something's stopping her, she's nope. leaving. He looks like he wants to. But, like, is also kind of relieved that you're leaving the room. <laughs> she is going to stop you at every turn. But here's the thing. The picture you showed me, that person deserves justice. Aviva deserves justice. The people who have been left in feigned car accidents deserve justice. And we are not going to develop a winning, trustful friendship fast enough to get them what they deserve. So I need a blind leap, and here's how I think I'll do it. Hold on to your evidence. Mm-hmm. I don't need access to all of it. Here's what I need. Every name, every person 
who you have cataloged that was a victim potentially of this cult, killed by some form of machinery, whether especially if the investigation was halted in some way. If you can get me a list of those names, I will make sure by next week you have much more information to go on. And I will talk to this circle of cultists who have approached me about accepting membership among them because, and I will do this, not because I have any interest in this organization in terms of allies or friendships or what have you, but because if these ritual killings are sacred to them, there's a chance that those murder weapons are still in their possession, which means you would have so much towards building a case against them. That's potential prints, murder weapon, that's it's a trail. Estrada's jaw hardens. He closes his eyes and takes a deep breath. I don't like doing things unofficial. Bad cops do things unofficial. With all due respect, Officer Estrada, you already have me in your possession off the books. I'm just asking you to undo that and let me do my thing. He nods, like, fully aware that he's already doing things off the books. Like, and you get the sense that that bad cop's comment Mm -hmm. was some self-flagellation. And he sighs again and then opens his eyes and looks at you. He's like, guess if I can't do things official, I get justice some other way. Your mom could have me fired instantly, transferred out of this town or worse. And then you're not going to have somebody who's as willing to listen to you. Which is why we need to work fast and trust each other enough to not turn on each other. And then there is the sound of metal rending and the lights begin flickering. And now it's you. All right. I'm going to spend an essence and I'm going to become a rage monster incarnate. And uh, I think I get bigger. I believe the fur starts sprouting the ears. Yeah, the full full on wolfman. I get like a snout elongate wolf looking face. I imagine the eyes like super glow right now since we're not like trying to hide or anything like that. Big old big old fists with the uh, big old meat hooks on them. So you take the form of that most closely honors father wolf. You take your Gauru form. What is your stamina plus primal urge? Not your current stamina, your Hishu stamina, your human stamina. Five. <laughs> your regular stamina is a five? My regular stamina is two. My primal urge is two. two. Uh, my, my, my regular stamina is three. My primal urge is two. All right. So for the next five rounds, you will be in Gauru form, the killing form. You swell massively in front of this guy. And that look, that balanced look of, did I catch an Uratha on its own? You know, am I about to die? Swings into the I'm about to die category. You may make an attack. Now, you can bite, you can claw. You do not have to grapple the bite first in this form. You are a monstrous werewolf. Lola, you see this happen. Dan's clothes shred. He is a hulking 
werewolf at this point. The shape of him is reminiscent of something you saw in the hedge long ago. The eyes look very much the same. Lola is mid-step when she sees this and manages to put her foot down before utterly freezing. You do not, however, suffer lunacy. Well, thank heavens for small blessing. Make your attack, Dan. All out, reckless engagement, willpower. His defense, he does get to apply his defense now. Yep. Which is a seven. Okay. He's he's a beefy boy. That'll be seven successes, so nine damage <sighs> with the increase of damage. It's toughened hide gives way under your assault. It's poisonous ichor gets, like, burns your claws, burns in your mouth as it, like, sprays everywhere. Is this thing, I guess, question, is this thing dying at this point or is he? It's dying. Okay. So I think with this kind of huge thing like that, I just kind of, like, stab it, like, right through the neck and just, like, heave the head off, kick the body away. As you do, you can feel the poison burning you, but it barely registers because your body heals the wounds as fast as they come. You are in Garu form. Barely anything registers. You kick the body away, and it discorporates into just dozens of little rats that scurry into the shadows everywhere trying to flee your rampage. Your enemy is dead, but there is still more to kill. And now more Beshalu show up. From the hole in the gauntlet that they had been making, four more, like, horrible little rat spirits come out. Not quite as, like, tumorous and awful as the priest, but they are just pouring out to come and get you. And all, now six of them in the room, are making their way across towards you, skittering and scampering to, like, Take down the Aratha. Get 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 rid of it. Just anything in this sort of like horrible hive mind of destruction. But it's gonna. You're a little ways away, so it's gonna take them a minute to get there. So they actually won't get any attacks this round because they don't know Lola's there and they don't have enough speed to get to you yet. Uh, Lola. So having seen Dan just utterly wreck this dude with what seems like. Not nearly enough effort for the amount of damage that it produced. Lola is a little afraid to proceed, but she also knows that... The thing that keeps coming to mind is that doing something is almost always better than doing nothing. And so she proceeds toward one of the zombies, crouching down. She's probably still walking on her feet, but she's definitely down low, like she intends to go to the floor at some point. Okay. When she can get to the zombies, she does have an action. Since they are moving towards Dan, you are near them. You can you can take your action. As she goes down, Lola once again uh, waves her arms like a clock. And they come to a standstill. And she wraps the scrap of Dan's shirt around the ankle of one of the zombies to set changeling hours upon it to prevent it from moving. 
Okay. To effectively bind the zombie in place. For purposes, we're essentially going to treat this like a leg rack. Like, it's it can't move. Um, it sort of, like, stumbles over as it's moving forward. These things don't shuffle like zombies. They are moving with purpose to go attack Dan. And it looks over at you in surprise as this girl appears out of nowhere and wraps like a steel cloth essentially around mm-hmm. its neck uh, around its leg the priest is dead dan you must kill question yes uh they're not fleeing are they they are not mm. not yet well that was my plan um <laughs> hmm how tough are these little rat things looking the ones that just came out yeah, yeah. that are coming at you not as tough as him Right. But there's some of them, and you can, your perception is up. You can see into the gauntlet. There's going to be more. Is this down in dirty combat? They are swarming so much that for this right now, I'm going to say yes. Despite the fact that these are Beshalu, because they are leaderless, for the moment, this will be down in dirty combat. Which means they will not be applying their entire defense against you. They will only be using their dexterity modifier. And instead of doing a damage for every success you get on an attack, you will just be killing someone. Sounds like a good time. With the limited control I have, I'm going to try to put myself closer to the door slash where Lola is, but like really still in the thick of the... I mean, the, swarm. The, the, the swarm of them is yeah. between you and the door. Yeah. We'll go from there. What's their defense? Right now, it is just a three. Nice. Not going all out. Not spending willpower. So, we'll go with 12 dice. Oh, is that all? Yes. Mm. A paltry 12 oh. dice. <laughs> it's less than my last two rolls. Rebecca, can you hold this for me? I don't know if she helped or hurt me there. No kidding. Because it would definitely help. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, there's only six of them out there right now. Well, they're all dead. For sure. (laughs) I ain't done yet. Yeah, you gotta re-roll those, don't you? Uh, That'll be ten successes. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, describe what you do to these rat people. I think it is like laying into them, like throwing them against walls with like large claw hits, like just squashing them beneath his his feet, just biting and tearing like one in half. It's a mess. Uh, and he is just covered in their sort of spiritual gore, but I think they're kind of real and this is weird. Yeah, this is not how spirits usually taste, but, yeah. you know. I don't think... Ask Jesse about it later if you remember. <laughs> At this point, because it was right over you, Lola, uh, it is so much everywhere that both of you have the grave poison condition. You will be taking a lethal every round until the condition is resolved. Dan, you heal that at the end of the round. You are in Garu form. But their blood is intensely toxic. Gotcha. However, everybody in the room is fucking dead right now. Lola in front of you is just a foot and part of a leg wrapped in a time-frozen piece of shirt. 
as the rest of it would not move, will not move. Uh, but the rest of the guy attached to where it would not move is gone. Well, that's Dan. Rawr. As seven more Beshalu pour out of a hole in reality, almost instantly replacing the ones that you've killed and throw themselves at the Uratha. Dan. Yes. You did not go all out, so you get your defense. Correct. Right? What is your defense right now? Five. Five. All right. There will be a series of attacks coming at you. Very good. The first two are like scrambling on you, like trying to just bite and slash with their little claws and like just grab at you. Um, not to, not to much effect. But as more and more pour out of the hole, you are incredibly strong, particularly in the killing form. So you don't go down under the weight of them. But as more and more start, and you're just throwing them off, some start to get claws in and hits in. And then one hits you in a viciously vital spot. And then another one gets a hit in. And then another one gets a hit in. After all seven of them have, like, scrambled around and, like, started to pile on and getting thrown off, you will take 10 damage. 10 lethal. All right. Just a little over half. <laughs> you are in the killing form, for yeah. sure. But if you were not, this would have killed literally anyone else. Right. Speaking of literally anyone else. Hi. Lola. This is real bad. This is real bad. Seeing Dan getting hurt, the option to do nothing doesn't exist. So something is the answer. And she still has the tire iron that he gave her. Mm -hmm. Swinging it is not how she's going to utilize it most effectively. Okay. Lola takes a deep breath in and blows out and out and out until a thunderstorm forms inside. And she is going to inform, invoke the contract of Autumn's Fury and lower the tire iron in the direction of her enemies. And each one of them will be struck by lightning reflexively. Okay. Unfortunately, so will Dan. It is a one lethal damage, but everyone gets it. The whole room? Except me. It actually invokes two tilts. Okay. Heavy rain and heavy wind. So hopefully Dan will get hit with the heavy rain and it will rinse that horrible toxic stuff off of him. It does cause perception penalties. Yes. Both auditory and visual, but I don't think we're having trouble finding each other at this point. <laughs> this would normally cost three glamour, but the loophole is to level a metal rod at your enemies. Huh. <laughs> well, what do you know? <laughs> See, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> My health is not as high as I was pretending to be. <laughs> I got four lethal left. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to see. She's like, lightning kills Dan. <laughs> Clarity kills Lola. <laughs> you level your makeshift metal rod. The tire iron that Dan gave you to defend yourself. 
when he did that, Tim, was this what you anticipated happening with it? Totally. Yeah, great. Okay. <laughs> and you call up the fury of autumn. The entire basement is racked with heavy winds. Which, by the way, everybody in the heavy winds will mm. take a minus three on all physical actions. So hurricane force winds start whipping through this basement. Would you say she's rocking them like a hurricane? Yes. No, but I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> Given that's the song that she was playing across the police radio. <laughs> oh my god, it was. <laughs> Foreshadowing. The storm whips up, sending the tables back flying. Heavy rains start to like flood the basement. And then within the... I mean, this is not a high-ceilinged area. <laughs> from the clouds, from this storm, at the center of which stands Lola, lightning begins to crackle, and there is the low rumble of thunder. Dan, it is the beginning of your turn. Lola, mm-hmm. he's in the area. Roll your attack for lightning for Dan, who is standing in the hurricane force winds. This is not what I meant by juice me. <laughs> Dan, what's your current defense? Five. Five. So it is your occult plus presence minus five. As a fairest, I can spend willpower to give someone a three die bonus, but I can also do it to give them a plus two resistance trait increase. Mm-hmm. Would that help Dan here? Yes. Okay, I'm going to do that. Your occult plus presence minus seven after you spend your willpower. I am rolling one die. It is not a success. Okay. Is it a one? It is. Is this a chance die or is it one die? It is one die. Okay. Then, Dan, take your turn. You're telling me lightning doesn't strike again? Lightning does not strike you. Does it try? Not really. (laughs) (sighs) Take your turn, Tim. (laughs) We're exhausting. So these guys are keep coming. There's this weird-ass rainstorm that seems like a good cover. Mm-hmm. It seems like a good time to spend an essence to go to Nearwolf and get the fuck out. Hopefully the Robler takes care of himself. Maybe he dies. You have not seen him. Good. That's the way I like it. <laughs> and I'm going to start running it. and try to run past Lola. And hopefully she can grab on and we can make our way out. Okay, make me a either strength or stamina, your choice, at plus athletics check. That'll be strength. You are at minus three dice because of the wind. Sounds good. That'll be four successes. Okay. So you can uh, you can actually, what I'm going to say here is that you can actually fight your way through the wind to Lola and out into the eye of the storm, if that's what you want to do. You can essentially be by Lola and not affected by the winds. I'm good with that. Can we get out? Signaling with wolfiness that it is time to go. (laughs) That's my turn. Lola, it's the start of the Beshalu's turn. There's seven of them out on the field. Still going to count this as down and dirty for this round. So tell me how many successes you get. Uh, Their defense is a five. Uh, I'm sorry. Subtract three from your roll. So do two more because it's still down and dirty. One success. Lightning flashes into, like, the, this group of Beshalu that, you know, Dan, like, fought his way out as he was, like, transforming himself slowly back down and just z- fries it dead. 
Uh, but the others turn and are going to also try and fight to keep coming. As two more come out. On Lola's turn, she intends to grab onto Dan and go where he leads. So here's how we're going to do. They're going to try and... You guys are trying to escape, correct? Correct. Correct. We are going to roll an athletics. The horde versus the two of you. We're going to take the lower of successes between the two of you because you're sticking together, correct? Can she just grab on? If You, you can just basically carry her. Yeah. But your athletics check is going to be at like a... She's not big. Like a one die penalty. Sounds good. Against them. If they catch you, you guys are still in combat, and all nine of them will be making attacks. Gotcha. Gross. Okay. Okay. Yep. I feel like that's a cool way to yep. do that. So let's do athletics. They are at a minus three penalty because they're still in the wind. As long as they don't roll terribly. Yeah, I know. I didn't roll terribly. <laughs> nice. Five successes. Well, they didn't get any as they are buffeted <laughs> by hurricane force winds. Lola, here's a fun question. Mm. How long is this going to last? That's a really good question. <laughs> because you unleashed essentially a hurricane force wind in the basement of an old building. There's also a foot stuck to the floor. There Wait. is. Also, does it follow you around or is it limited? Yes, it moves with her. <laughs> so as the two of you get out of the church, yeah. you see hurricane force winds pushing a stolen cop car across the street <laughs> as the church building is being ripped apart. I think we're going to need to move away from here. <laughs> no, it's not like tornado force winds, yeah. but like... There's no direction for how to stop it. <laughs> uh, you might not be able to. Um, it might just be a thing that lasts the scene. So as the two of you stumble out hordes of horrible rat monsters like that was five trying seconds. to kill you. No stumbling. Getting... Th oh my god. Trying <laughs> 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 to set a fucking mood? <laughs> you said stumbling. Dan stumbles nowhere. As the two of you flee the basement of the church, the winds... Buffeting and destroying. Changeling can end a contract at will. Throwing the rat monsters, the horde of them that is like scrambling for you, like thunder and lightning surrounding the two of you, just utter chaos and destruction. You get outside and then... As soon as they're free of the building, Lola drops the, the contract. The winds drop, start to die down. It's not like they just instantly go away, right? Like, it takes a minute. I, I would imagine it takes a minute. It takes a sec. Just for that much air moving that quickly, the two of you are soaked. Not because any rain got on Lola, but you were being heavily rained on and then picked her up and ran with her, Dan. And the two of you stand outside, catching your breath, you and Dalu form, and the Beshalu do not follow you out. Of the mostly destroyed church basement. Now because Lola ended the contract. The building is still standing. But nobody's going to be renting out the church hall for a while. Oh it no. Going to have to push the wedding back. Yeah. <laughs> and the two of you stand in the street. 
did we get the gross stuff off of us? Lola, you're not. Because you were not in the rain. Mm-hmm. And actually, you have two lethal on you from those couple rounds. You're going to have to do something about that quickly. Dan, get it off. Get it off of me. Get it off of me. And as Lola says that, Dan, you see that she is covered in the it, the icker of those things that was burning on you until, you know, shifting your forms and the, the heavy, intense rains of the storm in the basement washed it all away. And you know that by making the maybe rash decision to go into your Garu form, your killing form, and the slaughter you enacted against the rat creatures, you did that. And Lola is hurt because of you. Tim, what is Dan's Karuth trigger? I caused lethal damage to a fellow, to a pack member. So here's where I ask you the question. She's not Uratha. But does Dan think that Lola is a member of the pack? She's definitely pack. Then I need you to roll. Roll me your resolve plus composure. I will spend a willpower. One success. (laughs) (laughs) You are holding Lola in your arms because you picked her up to get out of there. And for an instant, you almost lose control of yourself because of what you've done. Holding Lola... If you had gone into Basuim, the death rage, you would have done a little bit more than just hurt Lola. She is still hurt, though. Lola, you are poisoned. For all she does to take care of others, Lola is not particularly stoic in the face of pain or skilled at getting at knowing what to do when she's hurt beyond like blisters from point shoes. So she just starts clawing at her clothing and her skin and like frantically writhing in Dan's arms, trying to get the poison off of her. The best I can do is get the blanket from the the back of the car and just kind of roll her around in the dirt because I've got no medicine. Lola does have options if that doesn't work. Roll me a medicine plus intelligence to roll her around in the dirt in a blanket and see if that helps. I will give you a one-die equipment bonus for using that Mylar blanket. So that's a chance die. With the extra die, it's a chance die? To intelligence, buddy. No medicine. It's a minus three on those skills. (laughs) All right. (laughs) This is a little out of your league. Yes. (laughs) Five. Now, so Dan picks you up and wraps you in this, like, shiny Mylar blanket it kind of pushes you on the ground, and Lola, it's not helping. As she's being rolled on the ground, she feels these lumps in her pocket. Mm-hmm. And she, like, wiggles around in the blanket and manages to pull out an amaranthine, which is a goblin fruit. Mm-hmm. One of the treasures that you found along the way. Hypothetically, it is a thing for healing, but maybe it will make this go away. Maybe it will stop this pain. And she just kind of horks it down her throat, like like a duck, almost. It would be comical if she wasn't in such agony. But she just makes this fruit disappear down her throat. And as she does, you know, funny enough, the, the blanket and the dirt thing, like, it was not healing what was happening to you, obviously. It did manage to, like, kind of get most of the remnants off your skin and, like, 
sort of take care of you, and you you devour the goblin fruit, and there's an immediate sense of relief. It, like, wiggles down your throat. It tastes awful. It's just bizarre, but you may use it to heal the poisoned dilt. As Lolo puts this down her throat, and it's almost as it's going down the trajectory down her her throat and her esophagus, the ebbing of the pain seems to follow it. It seems to melt away through the tips of her toes. And she just kind of slumps bonelessly on the ground and gives a big sigh of relief. Despite everything, Dan, you are unhurt. He looks a little, are you good? Are you? I mean, there's a lot more of them than I thought there would be. But uh, yeah, otherwise I'm great. Then I think I'll be okay. Just another day of peacekeeping. Go team. She kind of flops a hand up for a fist bump. <laughs> he uh, fist bumps you. Dan, you're kind of naked right now. Do you Do you want my hoodie? I'm not ashamed. I didn't mean to imply that you should be. And with that, we're going to cut the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Aviva. Yep. You manage to get outside, and then she can't control anymore. The relationship between the bound, between Sinadir and their geist, varies. It can be very transactional. It can be, you know, contentious. It can be friendly. It depends on the synergy between the two of you. Something about that photo, about being in this town, about listening to Estrada talk about being at the cabin, about everything has been building up and it is not you who finds themselves at a breaking point. It's the final girl. And you tried to talk her down. You tried to keep her in check. But there was too much seeing that little photo. And you hold it in your hands and then she unleashes her rage. Shock and horror and helplessness and despair. You cannot talk her down in time. You manage to get out. Estrada, John, the police station are not going to be viciously murdered at the moment. If I had any control over where I was going, I was trying to go for somewhere less populated. I don't know if there's like a parking lot or something, but... So, the police station here is barely a police station. If you remember, yeah. it's like a... It's a house. Yeah. But there was like a dumpster and stuff, and you can go around the back, and actually it backs up against the woods. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's where I'm... If I have control, at least for some amount of time, that's where I'm pointing myself. And the final girl, as you are like running, is sort of coming with you, and suddenly, like, lashes out and one of the dumpsters is just rent. There's this sound of, like, screeching metal as it's just, like, violently shaken and torn apart. You see, like, the wires of, like, the, you know, from the, tele from the utility poles, mm. like, shaking. She's just, it's almost like a telekinetic rampage, basically. She's just, with nothing to kill... With nothing to vent this frustration and all these feelings, she just tears the world apart around her. What is my level of consciousness and control, if any, within this? You have total control. Okay. You are yourself. Mm. She is unleashed. I see. 
you are still though you are bound you are separate entities mm-hmm. she as a a potent geist a dread geist is just savaging the world so as this starts up and the destruction commences uh viva watches still kind of light on her feet ready to keep running more at this point playing lookout than anything else there's wonder at the ultra violence that the dread geist is capable of but there's also a strange sense of almost relief in the way of she spent so long trying to find anything that had resonance for her geists. I mean, that's what they did when they came up from the underworld. They, they tried to track down the final girl's past. And whatever that faces, whoever that was to the geists, it mattered. It's, it's a real substantial part of who she was. And so that's fueling a sort of hope for the abiding, the sense of like recovering something worthwhile to move forwards with. Aviva also not being one to put too much stock in. Uh, she's not overly concerned about the destruction of private property that's happening at the moment. Uh, I think that's more she's keeping an eye out in case of the people who could be harmed for this, but those are the feelings leading the way. Almost a sort of like pride and support for this guy's going through this terrible thing and what it could mean to her. After a while, it's like she expends herself. Like the rage starts to subside, the sorrow, the despair, that like overwhelming angst starts to lessen. You can always find her if you look for her, but she basically like fades from view. It's almost... It's almost like sulking. Mm. Uh, it's not, but it, it, like she's like almost avoiding skulking. Yeah, there you go. Hi, final girl. You, you good? There's no response, but she's still there. Thanks for um. Thanks for making it till we're out here. Okay, I'll uh. I'll keep this picture somewhere safe. We'll try to figure out more. You you want to, right? There's no response, but she's still there. And you can still kind of feel, even though it's muted right now. Yeah, she has the same feeling that you did. It's a step. It's something. She doesn't know what yet, but it's something. All right. Well, if you're ready, then I gotta go be a pain in the ass inside. My turn. There's sort of a general feeling of ascent. John, the screeching metal and like storm noises almost outside subside. The lights stop flickering. Estrada looks nervous again. Like this is not, this is a man whose life is based on logic and you just told him that none of that matters. And then Aviva showed him that none of that matters and he doesn't really know what to do with it, but he's trying his fucking best. Officer Estrada, also, I would like to apologize for misunderstanding your intentions. I'm very used to being accosted by my mother's pawns and you are clearly not among them. Mm. And Aviva 
is she's really important to me and I do not trust what my mother or this cult or whatever it is behind all of this would do if they knew about her. Aviva, it is as John is saying that you're basically like Estrada was in his office and there's the little center area, like entrance area. Were you coming back inside? I was, uh, but it is important for me to know which words I hear. You heard starting at, you basically come in quietly and mm. you hear starting at Aviva was important to me. You may make yourself known or continue to listen as you wish. As Aviva starts to walk back and she hears those words, she definitely considers just not making herself known. There's, there's like a, she sort of stops, draws out a view of the doorway, pauses, listens. And then as the reason for the concern is brought forwards, she alone uh, making these expressions to herself or I guess maybe with the audience of the Geists, but I'm not frankly expecting the Geists to, well, you can tell me how the final girl is about this. Uh, she kind of, Aviva, kind of rolls her eyes assuring the empty air around her that it's fine and uh, walks back up uh, as if that's when her arrival point was. As Aviva's walking in, after you finish that, Estrada just nods and goes, yeah, I wanted to. Uh, that girl deserved justice just as much as any of the other ones. But I guess I... Oh, speak of the devil. Maybe... Whoa. Hey. Hey, what? Devil? Really? It's, he means it as a saying. It's not an uncommon saying. <sighs> uh, okay, there's something so I... Shut the fucking house. Yeah, uh, sorry about the dumpster, but there's something that I need you not to do, and it's tell my parents any of this. Okay, like, they... But you're alive. They, they no, wanna... I'm not alive, and they... I would never have come back here if they were here. Yeah, they moved out years ago. Yeah, I know. I, I googled where their house is. Are you sure? Because I got their numbers right here, and he taps the U file. John kind of looks at the officer and is like, I think them knowing the truth would just force them to revisit that pain all over again. You think they're not living with it every day? I have my own ideas on what's going on there, but... As soon as that happens, Aviva just goes to grab the file, unfortunately, because he just indicated that the phone numbers are in there. Uh Uh-huh. Am I stopped? He is distracted from... You can grab the file before he can react. She's not trying to run off with it. She's just flipping for the phone numbers. It's right there. Are they the same numbers? It's the same numbers. Minus the the, the house number is changed, but the yeah. cell phones are the same. Then she just kind of like leans against the wall, holding the file, staring at the numbers as the two of you talk. This, this group, I can get you a list of names, but uh, at least the ones that I've got, but I think it's out of date. What about the victims? The victims I can get you, yeah. That's what I need most. He pulls through a file and then hands it over. These are, um, I can't prove that these are all of them, but these are the uh, the crashes where people died too mangled to whatever. These are the ones where somebody pulled, at least for the last few years. You know, there's probably more before I got here. How close they examined with the cadavers? I didn't get much of a look at him because usually you call the ME, but, mm-hmm. you know, I I often wouldn't get reports or they'd be a little 
you know, I'd see the bodies and then cause can't them exactly to... rely on the system. Yeah, understood. Okay. Aviva closes the file and haphazardly, like basically, slaps it down on top of the other files, which probably calls attention to the fact that she picked it up in the first place, and uh, is starts pacing as soon as she's put it back. The slap of the file actually startles mm. like Estrada. Like he he is. He is keyed the fuck up right yeah. now. Uh, Jesus. Uh, all right. Um, no, you you can't tell them. Think about how you're feeling right now, and think about if that was your daughter. What are the options? He, I could tell them what happened. That their daughter died, and then they have to live with the truth. I'm not doing that to them. You're not doing that to them. Roll me. Either a persuasion presence or an intimidation presence. It's intimidation because intimidation is spec in no. <laughs> you have a spec in no? I have a spec in no. Then your spec applies. <laughs> I have to spend a willpower emotionally. That's fair. One success. Straddle looks at you. Doesn't feel right, but none of this feels right, so you got my word. Though I would strongly encourage you to reach out, but I guess right now, officially, you're a dead girl. Not really my place. It was already selfish for me to come back here. Maybe I... No, no, I'm not... They can't know. Yeah, all right. And it looks between John and Aviva. It's like, so, um... Guess you're both free to go. He kind of like chuckles a little bit, but like it's it's forced. Don't um, fuck. I feel like I should say shit like don't skip town or whatever right now, but frankly, you know I'm stuck here just as much as everybody else. So um, keep in touch, I guess, if you can. Let's just try to all make it through the week. Yeah, make sure you take this. And he pushes the the list of victims' names over. It's about two dozen long. I take that and my gun. You're really pushing your fucking luck, John. You know that? Well, if I'm not arrested, it means you'd be stealing it. I don't know. You got a... John kind of smirks. You got a permit for him? <laughs> I could. You know my mom. I kind of pat him on the back. The, oh. We'll be in touch. But seriously, we'll be in touch. He takes the gun and he puts it on the desk. Hey, I um, should probably say sorry for scaring the shit out of you. Yeah, well, it's better to know, I guess, huh? I'm still hoping that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and realize I got drugged. He gets a death glare at better to know, the conversation having been too fresh in Aviva's mind. Or not. He looks at John. Condescend to me again, and I swear to God, I will fucking arrest you. For for nothing. I'll just make up charges. You've got to stop with the threats. We're so close. <sighs> the fuck out of my office. All right, have a good night, officer. And he just like puts his head in his hands. Like he's got a headache coming on or just like he's there's just too much and he doesn't know what to do with it. Aviva's not really waiting for John as soon as it's clear that the two of them can both leave and Estrada makes no move to prevent like, you know, John kind of like probably putting the gun away. I'm not sure what you're. Yeah, he puts it away. Yeah, if you're making the motions that you're going to be leaving, then Aviva is just out. Uh, John actually gives uh, Officer Estrada a little bit of a sympathetic look like kind of overly familiar of being stuck on the back foot in this town 
After like a quick nod, he turns and he heads out. The two of you exit, leave the police station. Neither one of you's got a ride. I'll just get an Uber, then my phone's not on me. Uh, Aviva's just walking. She's She has no ride, she has no plan. She's just going. Uh, John moves to keep her company. She's pretty much matching the agitation of the guys. So, so are you headed anywhere in particular, or do you mind a few stops? Where, where do you want to go? There is a place where I could more safely do what I do. And with this list of names, my intention is to conjure the spirits of those people that were hurt. Find out what I can about they know about this whole conspiracy. And then, since we have that gold moth still on the loose and an idea of what can actually put it down, I was going to reach out and call one of the things of Stygia and see if I can offer details as to where it is in the underworld. I would have to go and find it. Well, you're we, not... if you're interested. <laughs> you're not going anywhere alone, not after that shit. Okay. Maybe I can help, too, with the... There's things that I can do to talk to the dead. Great. I'm terrible in conversations with them, so... I imagine they'll be much more happy to talk to you. Nah. You're worse. Just shit at conversations, really. That's what I just said. Yeah. Just completely blowing it. I can't tell if that means you're agreeing with me or not. It's just like your really standoffish way of saying, Hey, John, I'd love to work with this on you. <laughs> that breaks the smile as Aviva is having fun insulting John out of nowhere. She just is, you know, smirking. And eventually the laugh breaks through, too. <laughs> he kind of smiles at that. I'm down to give it a go. Actually, you pretty much can't get rid of me. I'm going to do it anyway, so I'm glad you're willing to work together. Great. <laughs> I'm glad I happened to want you to do the thing you're going to be doing. <laughs> okay. So we're going to want to update everyone. John, do you think I should... I don't think I should tell my parents any of this. I was inching towards that. Um, here's the thing. Got there first. It's your relationship with your parents. If you firmly feel that there's nothing to be said, then that's the way it is. But if you're second-guessing yourself, even just a little, that's okay. You don't need to build walls just to have them there. If part of you is thinking about doing it, then yeah, think about it. And if you decide that's what you want to do, I'll be right here. She makes a face and fixes him with a death glare, but doesn't seem to have anything in particular to say to him about it. John holds out his hand. She does not completely cease the death glare, but a little confused reaches out towards him. The death glare kind of shifting over to like a scathing confusion. What, 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 what's this? It's my hand. Roll the eyes and she puts her hand to his. All right. If I'm not allowed to be alone, and you're not allowed to pretend that you want to be alone. And he just kind of starts walking with her. She takes his hand more and walks too. Forgetting Asheville is an actual play Chronicles of Darkness podcast set in the fictional New England town of Asheville. 
Aviva Caradano was played by Rebecca Steigelfest. Dan Swanson was played by Tim Davis. Jesse Swanson was played by Garrett Gavi. John Taggart was played by Lex Lopez. Lola Gardner was played by Erica Webb. Your storyteller was Rob Muirhead. Recording and editing by Rebecca Steigelfest. The music used in this episode was by Victoria Borodnova. You can find their music on pixabay.com. Forgetting Asheville uses the second edition Chronicles of Darkness rule sets, including Changeling the Lost, Geist the Sin Eater, Mage the Awakening, Werewolf the Forsaken, and other Chronicles source materials, with a few select house rules. The Chronicles of Darkness are produced by Onyx Path Publishing. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at, at @pathofnightpod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash pathofnightpodcast, or email us at pathofnightpodcast at gmail.com. You can help support the show at coffee.com slash pathofnight. See you next time, outsiders. Throw me a weird. deception. <laughs> <laughs> she goes uh, for it, question mark. Chariz- uh, charisma deception. But you may use your striking appearance on this. Okay. Uh, subterfuge. Subterfuge. Okay. Subterfuge, not deception. Thank you. Uh, charisma's not a thing. Would you take presence? Hold on, let me double check yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love multiple systems? <laughs> yeah, it's always a problem. Thank you. Roll me a... I'm going to take it again. Roll me a... Pause. I'm going to take it again. Roll me a... <laughs> No. No pauses. Only go. (laughs) Roll me a (laughs) plex. Son of a bitch. Roll a plex. Roll me a a pleasure kissing check. (laughs) Roll me Uh. for kiss. Roll for kiss. Uh, Roll me a presence. Garrett, I saw your face in my periphery. It was enough. Stop. in your face just makes them laugh. I, just, I was just thinking about how funny it would be to, to make like a one shot like game about kissing and like kiss combat. That's a, that so is some one shot campaign shit. Right? Yeah. All right. <laughs>